Hey, it's John, a cut above horror review, episode number 85, continuing our Women in Horror Month with the 2017 film Revenge from director Coralie Forgay. So check it out. It's a very heavy subject. And uh, we've got special guest Logan from Ghoulish University Podcast. So get ready for episode 85, Revenge on a Cut Above. It starts now. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host Jacqueline and tonight we'll be discussing the film Revenge from 2017. Of course, continuing our Women in Horror Month. So pleased to be continuing this. Uh, before we meet the the other guys on the show, I would like to introduce for the first time on A Cut Above, our good friend Logan. Welcome, Logan. Hello, hello. Um, happy Valentine's Day to you, Jacqueline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, happy Women in Horror Month and slam in the back of my Dragula. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always do. Uh, yeah, Logan, will you be my Galentine? I thought you would never ask. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, you can just leave now. We'll just, we'll take it from here. We got it. It's late, isn't it? <laughs> All right, Hydraberg, I'm muting us. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> wait, it's my pick. <laughs> that's okay we don't we don't really need you i'm just kidding all right i'll throw um, you my reach around <laughs> wait a minute okay. wait a minute <laughs> anyway logan is a good friend of ours just personally but then also a friend of the show um from her podcast ghoulish university so uh we'll talk more about that momentarily uh, but first let's meet the other guys on the show we got hydraberg what's up hydraberg What's up, guys? Logan, thanks for coming on. You basically did it already. I don't know if you want to drop the man's name of the song that you said just now. Oh, yes. Rob Zombie. There we go. There it is. I think it's it's only fair for her to be the one who gets to to Well, you basically did already. I like that little Dragula comment. But yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I thought about it while I was driving home from work one day. I was like listening to the song and I was like, oh. Oh, I cannot wait to put this in my script. <laughs> oh, it's, a good, it's a good song. It is a it's good slaps. song. It was the remake from uh, that remix from um, Haunt. By Lo- oh, Lo- yeah. I think was her. That was the first. Actually, I, I heard that before I heard the OG. Um, oh, that's I an watched, interesting way to go about it. I watched Haunt before I knew really who Rob Zombie was, actually. So uh, it's just another weird thing in my horror journey. <laughs> That's okay. Everyone's journey is their own. Yes. And last but not least, we got John. What's going on, John? What's happening, Jacqueline? Hydraberg, Logan, thank you again for coming on. I, I do got to say I'm very, very impressed by your podcast, Ghoulish University. Uh, so much fun to listen to, but I, I think you can explain it better than I can of what it's about. Yeah, so um, I... Uh... Sorry. Um, so one day um, in the, uh, I think, famed straight chilling slack, um, one of our friends, uh, Nate, came in and he was like, I've got this great idea for a podcast. Like, what if, you know, someone, not even him, he was like, did, you know, every week we review an episode of Tales from the Crypt and we just go through the whole series. And I was like, well, you know, I'm meaning to watch the show. I think that'd be super fun. And then Nate number two came in and he also said, I would love to watch along and like, you know, do that every week and so then nate was like oh okay so we're doing the podcast and we're like oh shit so yeah ghoulish university um we're starting by covering every episode of tales from the crypt 
Um, but also we just like to talk about anthologies. So I think once we're done with Tales from the Crypt, we're just going to kind of figure out some anthology deal. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fun little show. You know, we, we get, we get on once a week and we just talk about this weird show from the nineties where everyone was scared of its host as a kid. <laughs> it's a great yeah. show actually. I'm but self-admittedly, I'm behind on some of the episodes because you guys are putting out like a lot fast. Um, you're already on season three, right? Yeah, I don't know how we yeah. got here. <laughs> but it's really like I could I can hear the relationship, like the budding friendship over time growing. Mm -hmm. And like you guys are refining your 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 segments and it's just getting really and Tales from the Crypt is just an awesome show to talk about. So and you have so many different views, right? Because you're a first time viewer. So, yeah, I like Sorry. it. No, go ahead. Um, yeah, so this show basically came out right before I was born. So no, I I, I didn't grow up <laughs> watching it, but both Nates grew up kind of watching it. They didn't see everything. Um, and it's my first time seeing it, you know, so I'm watching it with like new eyes and they're watching it either from like a perspective of like they saw it when they were a kid. Now they're watching it again as an adult or sometimes it's also fresh eyes for them. But uh, I have to admit, I'm quickly realizing that I've just completely lifted my whole intro from Jacqueline. Um, <laughs> like if you ever listen to it, I start off usually by saying like, good evening folks or class because we're Gulich University. Um, and then one day, uh, our friend G baby came into the chat and he was like, Logan, you sound just like Jacqueline sometimes, like with your voice cadence and everything. It's insane. And so I would like listen to y'all's episodes and I was like, it's because I fucking stole her intro. <laughs> <laughs> I never well, noticed no, I've, it. I've never thought, no, I've never yeah. thought that. Yeah. Uh, but when your first episode dropped, and I guess it was G Baby, I hadn't remembered that, but G Baby came in and was like, "You sound just like Jack." I went and I and I started listening to it. And I was like, "We do kind of sound alike." So last week when we were talking about you coming on, I was like, "It's just going to be two Jacklins on the show." Like I don't know if anybody's going to be <laughs> able to to tell the difference between us, but that's fine with me. I, I enjoy having a doppelganger. Twins. Awesome. <laughs> I might say well, you guys are twinning. 20. Yeah. Well, we are, we are super happy to have you. Um, we're, this year, so far this year in 2023, we've just been chock full of brand new guests who are making their first appearances on the show. So just and not their last. Definitely not their last, but we've got like a high quality, high quality roster of uh, visiting folks. So I think we're pretty, pretty lucky. Well, we have the slack to pick through and everybody has a podcast now. So <laughs> there's all these cross uh, collaborations going on that yeah. are like really cool. A lot of crossovers. A lot of fun. All so right. I, I will say I do feel like the y'all are getting such like, I mean, I'm not specifically talking about myself, but y'all get such high quality guests because y'all are, you know, quite the high quality podcast. Like Thank you. I, I've been listening to y'all since close enough to the beginning that like I, I've also seen y'all, you know, get 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 better what y'all are doing and it's it's really cool to see where you guys have gotten well thanks i appreciate that um and you know what what hydraberger was saying about the relationships on y'all show how like through this show you can kind of see the evolution and the growth in your friendship i feel like that's exactly what's happened with us so it makes me really happy for you guys that you seem to be like cementing your bond and growing your relationship on your show too it's just like it's almost like the show itself is incidental it's just like a vehicle for i mean i know it's intended as like a, a you know a, a discussion of this series but in another way it's like it almost doesn't matter what you're talking about in, in another way it's a way to just like grow your friendship so yep. um that's pretty rad mm -hmm. horror is the best man 
Yeah. Bringing people together. Yes. <laughs> We're all yeah. straight chilling army. Exactly. I guess that's children. what we are. The yeah. Children. The children. So <laughs> I watched um I just want to get into it before we get into news. I watched some fucked up shit this week. <laughs> Was it Evil Bong Part 37? Oh dude, they no, that's coming out next week. Um <laughs> no, I I watched the Joe Bob party or the Joe Bob mm. watch oh, thing. necromantic. But, oh, dude, that was brutal, man. Hang on, what was the other movie? Uh, it was uh, Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, I've always heard good things flat. about that one. Yeah, I've never seen that. I've never seen either, actually. Don't watch Necromantic. I'm going to watch it, I think. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. It is, it's, it's hard to watch. I mean, like Joe Bob gives a really, right? really good explanation about it and why this movie was made and how it was made because it was made in East Germany. Mm-hmm. And, um, you Same know, at the movie. time they were under communist rule. So it was just these punk kids that decided to make this movie about necrophilia. Mm. <laughs> we like... covered a, a, a movie about that. It was called Frankenhooker. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Little, I mean, not to brag. Quality. Not yeah. to brag or anything, but I've seen other movies about necrophilia. Just I don't know. I haven't seen Necromantic, but it's like I don't know if it would be any worse than. Well, worse. the dong swinging in this one, big time. Oh, so, right, so half starf, right, Bob? Half starf for, for the hog. Depends on who Bob you for ask. me. Yeah. You know me and nudity in movies. Well, I thought he's it was against, just he's against I, it. I figured maybe a schlong you might like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a while since I heard <laughs> that one. <laughs> Ding, ding. Um, I also just want to give a quick plug to our friend uh, Anya Gore, Horror and More with Anya Gore. She's back from a two-month hiatus and invited me on to be on her show coming out this week, which we talk about last year's very odd movie, um, Lamb, mm-hmm. a-, a 24 joint. That Thank was you. a movie. It was I a movie. When does this come out? I must listen. It must be, uh, I think she said she's going to try for tomorrow, but probably Wednesday. Oh, okay. So nice and soon. All right. I cannot wait to hear what y'all had to say about it and whether you agree with my wait. opinions. A24. Bizarre. <laughs> it it oh, does yeah, the stuff. No what was the other one? Oh, yeah. The movie we watched tonight. Those are the messed up movies I watched this week. That's <laughs> a, it's a nice little pre-Valentine, you know, festivity. Get you in the mood. Oh Bam, yeah! Chicka, I'm, wow, wow! I'm feeling very I've been romantic. Watching some shows. What? You, Yellow what shows Jackets and Severance. <gasps> Severance. Yeah, I binge watched. Yeah, it's really. They're both really good. Severance have is you, really interesting. Have you finished the first season? Yeah, I finished both. It's very interesting. What a cliffhanger! It is. It's a cool show. It's a very. I like. It's a cool premise. And uh, I've also um, been keeping up on the the uh, the Last of Us, which had a new episode on Friday, which was really good. I didn't read any spoilers about it, but I heard it was freaking heartbreaking. It's 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 a good show, man. I don't I don't <laughs> want to say anything more about it. It's Logan, hard. are you watching that show? I am watching it, but I am not up to date because um, I'm watching it with Diego. So we have to like figure out schedules and stuff. But it's okay. Mm-hmm. Y'all can talk about it. I no, you know. I'm not going to spoil anything. Oh, I'm never going to watch it. I wish you would. Your description of it was too gross. You shouldn't have described it to me. But you like horror movies. You don't want to see mushroom heads? Ew. That's just, well, the the spores thing. The band mushroom head is dope, but yeah. I think they're pretty cool. The what's dope? It's it's just a great, like, take on, like, sort of an infected zombie, you know, because that's, like, tried in 
it's so tired, you know, tiresome of the, mm. that. You know, I do love zombie stuff, but it gets a little tiresome after a while. Oh, yeah. hi, Barry. Oh, Aww. yes. The bear. Morgan's dog is here. Aww. Aww. <laughs> he sees Look me. Look at those ears. Oh, I want to scratch the ears. Emotive <laughs> ears ever. <laughs> okay, so what were we talking about? What? Uh, oh, just, I, I, there was a dog. Hard. I got this right. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, dog. I got some news. What's Ooh, the news? The news. Horror movie news. Uh, new trailer in the corn trailer dropped. Comes out March 3rd. Thoughts? Jack it's a movie. Hydraberg? Hydraberg, what do you think? I mean, uh, I thought it looked interesting. It looked, it just, it looked like the way of remake sort of, and it just had that whole like, it's a remake of Children of the Corn, you know, and like, it's like almost like pointing at you like, hey, look at us, we're a remake, you know, it just had, here's the part of the movie that like, here's the remake scene and here's the scene from this and I don't know, it just all <laughs> yeah. seemed very formulaic. Um, yeah. You know, other the only thing that it looked like it did different was maybe changing some of the characters. Like the main character was a, a little girl this time. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I'm not that tied into Children of the Corn that like it's not sacred to me. Where I'm like, you can't. Yeah. But some yeah, people. Me either. What about you, Jacqueline? What'd you think? I mean, nothing. Honestly, nothing about it really stood out to me. I agree with what Hydraberg said. It's like, okay, here's here's a remake. Here's some quick cuts of like some corn. And like <laughs> some some darkness and a little girl standing in a barn and some like, you know, just kind of generic stuff. I was like, eh, OK, I mean, it doesn't make me think it's going to be bad. It doesn't make me think it's going to be good. I will say I had to laugh, though, when they did the, the, the popular thing now where they had like a slowed down song that the song in its original form is not creepy, but they have it slowed down mm -hmm. and sung in a minor key, which, you know, we've seen a hundred times in trailers over the past few years, but this particular one, the song was she'll be coming around the mountain. Yeah, and it, it, was... it almost, it seemed like a joke to me. Like, Here's it what I would like, here's what I would challenge Hollywood to do. If you're going to do that, go bold. Slow down. Britney Spears, hit me, baby, one more time. Oh, Let's see how creepy done. we can make that. That's been done. Jordan yeah. yeah. Peele will probably use that for his next film. Yeah, but like I almost <laughs> expected to to hear somebody going on top of old smoke. <laughs> I I would have liked if they used that TikTok song that's playing right now. It's corn. And make the and a little girl show. singing about corn or whatever, and how much she loves corn. It's I haven't I haven't heard that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can't think of a more wonderful thing. I I don't know what it is. I but I yeah, can... <laughs> But Logan, I, you I... laughed as soon as I said she'll be coming around the mountain because that sounds ridiculous, right? <laughs> can't they just do West Virginia? Well, I guess not because it's, I don't know. But like something you know that's not a meme. absurd. <laughs> absurd, it... yeah. That's a much better word for it. <laughs> The little girl too that she looks like she's like I don't know I don't want she's a child actress so I don't want to like criticize but she looks like she's definitely overacting a little she bit and sucks like no I don't know how to, I don't know that part but like there's it almost looks like she's almost winking at the camera like when she's acting in some of those scenes. Mm -hmm. I'm not I don't care about this one I I think yeah. I think they put all the uh, bait out there for all the horror fans with the red band trailer and they're just like coming to shutter right we're gonna, we're gonna huh. It's coming to Shutter. Yeah, it's gonna run for uh, in theaters for like two weeks, and then straight to Shutter after that. So okay. I'm not rushing out to go see it. Well, I hope it's not corny. Ah! 
How punny can we be? Speaking of the Crypt Keeper, some of his puns are great. Oh, absolutely. Man, they, in season two, they really up his game. And not even just his puns, like all of his figurative language that he uses. Uh, (laughs) The man loves an automatopoeia, and he also loves uh, alliteration a lot. (laughs) So it's it's super fun. Um, We famously call him Daddy Crypt Keeper at Bruce University. In That's a world funny. where, like, the Crypt Keeper is like a learning program for young children, in yeah, neighbors. right. Like, That's yeah. it's Coolish it. University. Exactly. He's teaching literary devices and poetic mm-hmm. devices. Come on. We definitely thought the about Crypt that. Keeper haiku. I want to hear a reach around done by the Crypt Keeper. Okay, kitty. Oh, you need to challenge the Crypt Keeper to a, a rap battle. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, spelling Bee. Keeper. <laughs> The Crypt Keeper Spelling Bee. I like it. Uh, Damien Leone is currently writing Terrifier 3. And he is planning a brand new project with anticipation, anticipation, Sam Raimi. I saw that collaboration. Mm -hmm. Is part three called Terrifier 3 colon The Trash Bag Returns? Oh my God. (laughs) Could be. That's why it just starts like opening shot, an alleyway. Just flies past like a tumbleweed. Like an American beauty. Yeah, it's just like (laughs) the bag. And we just follow the bag around town. And then pops up that little girl. It's like rubber, except with a trash bag instead of a tire. (laughs) Yeah. And his head in there. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is doing so well at the box office. Jacqueline is thrilled about this. And you'll be even more thrilled to hear that it is getting a sequel. No fucking way. Yeah. <laughs> More like and blood and money. Am I right? I have that. Hey. Hey. Blood and honey too. Electric boogaloo. Um, <laughs> it's also getting some spinoffs. Oh no. What from childhood no, stories. James Wan handling this thing? Are you joking? No, I'm dead serious. Bambi, The Reckoning. Stop. This is a serious title. How about this one? Peter Pan, Neverland Nightmare. No fucking oh way. Stop right there. stupid are you sure your source is not the onion yeah right the source was bloody disgusting they had a nice beautiful article written oh wait john i just checked the calendar it's actually april 1st today so (laughs) i wish that's oh my god i had to end on that note i'm wearing my none too pleased face right now i know should i mute myself jacqueline (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not your fault. I'm just mad that it is like even happening. It just sounds so stupid. I just ugh. I'm waiting for the dinosaur massacre movie, The Land Before Grime. <laughs> <laughs> we should do at the end of the show, see if we could think of other ones. Like Well, know. that would be a fun game, but none of them should get made. I already yeah. know. Because no, if we if we say them out loud, they'll they might actually be made. Yeah, let's us. not speak it they into might existence. Come into existence. Yeah. yeah. Snow White and the Seven Demons. Nice. Yeah. All right, I that's can't think, I can't think of stuff on the fly. I was trying. What if Snow can't... White and the Seven Dwarfs was like a rape revenge film? Oh, and oh my! Killing all the dwarves. What they like gangbang her and stuff. Yeah, something like that. I feel I should say uh, while it's on my mind. I feel like before we get into this movie, uh, Revenge, that we should throw a little like content trigger warning trigger out warning. there. Yeah, uh, agreed. Just anybody listening, you should know. We're going to be talking about um, sexual assault that's portrayed in this film, and I'm I'm sure there will be a 
fair amount of discussion about that. So just to put it out there, if that's not something you're comfortable um, hearing about idea. or hearing discussed, I, I would maybe skip this one. But mm -hmm. I just thought I'd throw it out there now while we were talking about, you know, this the seven dwarves. I agree 100 percent situation <laughs> there <laughs> that we just invented. So, all right. Well, with that being said, John, thank you for the news. Yep. Some of that was okay or good news. And some of that was just like <laughs> bad news. I don't think any of it was good except being in Leone. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good news. No, that's cool to see he's getting all these opportunities now. Yep. That's good news. The The Children of the Corn was like neutral news. And the Winnie the Pooh was just like. It was poop. news. Yeah. It was if poop. I would have asked you five years ago if we were talking about Winnie the Pooh being a horror movie. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go. Oh, somebody. oh, oh, we broke Jacqueline. The host is broken. <laughs> we broke the host. I'm laughing at that like I'm drunk, but I'm stone cold sober. But that just really hit me funny. <laughs> oh Lord, sorry. Please forgive me. Um, all right. Well, let's 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 move into talking about the uh, the film now. It's Revenge from 2017, French film. You guys ready to get into it? Yep. Hey. Awesome. Well, I guess we. 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 That was me being French. Mm -hmm. Hydroburn. <laughs> this movie was your pick, I believe. It was. Would you like? Would you like to share why you picked this movie for us? Uh, yeah, I saw this film when it came to Shudder, and I want to say it was, I think it was 2018 when it actually came on to Shudder. Um, and it was just, it stuck with me since I first seen it. I just, uh, I'd, I'd only, I think I'd only seen it the once. This was the second time viewing for me. Um, but it just always sat there with me in the back of my mind of like a good uh, revenge film or just, I just loved the, the, the main character and the situation that she's put into and how she just kind of rises above and, um, you know, has a transformation like throughout the film. And I just loved, it has like a lot of the elements you kind of want from one of these films or just a horror film in general, just well shot. It's got some great music. It's got some great gore. Um, and then when women in horror month came up on, uh, on the docket, I was just like, I think revenge would be a great film. And then, you know, I, I kind of just double checked and, and I saw that it was actually uh, written and directed by a woman as well. I, that wasn't necessarily going to be my like my deciding factor. Like if it's a woman, if it's a film about women or a powerful woman, I feel like that's enough to at least have like it be one of the films we pick. But the fact that it's also created by a woman, I think, was like one of my deciding factors to put it on for this month. Awesome. Yeah, I think that for Women in Horror Month, it's like there can be any number of criteria for which you would choose, you know, a film yeah. like it could be. A, a film about women's issues something that's made by a woman i think there's you know any number of ways you could go with that so that's that's cool with me um yeah i'm glad that you picked it i had never seen it before um john and logan had you guys seen this before i have i i'm with hydroberg i i think i saw it back in 2018 when mm -hmm. shutter first released it and still affected me the same way cool. <laughs> watching it I can't wait to hear what way that was Okay. Boner alert. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. Whoa, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> he went there. He did. Logan, what about you? Had you seen this before? I had. Um, I saw it late 2019 or early 2020. Um, it may have even been mid-2020, but um, I saw it the one time and I was like, oh yeah, I'll watch that again. And then like I just never watched it again until um I watched it twice this past week in preparation for 
for today. So now I've seen it three times, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'd seen it before. Awesome. All right. Well, let's decide whether this film fucks or sucks. Hydraberg? I was thinking about what if we let the ladies go first? Oh, how chivalrous. I know it's my pick, but. <laughs> okay. Wow. Breaking from uh, the, the format. Uh, Logan, since you're the guest, would you like to start off? Yeah. Uh, I think that this movie is a bloody and sloppy fuck uh, <laughs> and quite <laughs> dirty as well. It's filthy. Um, yeah, I, I think this movie fucks quite a bit. I love it. So, yeah. Awesome. Jacqueline? I, I just totally agree. It's yeah. it's a bloody, messy, filthy fuck. And I also loved it. Um, yeah, I had a great time with it. I can't wait to get into it. Hydeberg? Uh, yeah, for me, this has been a revenge-fueled fuck since day one. This is the type of fuck that fucks your best friend to get back at you for cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny? Yeah, I... Uh, um... A movie about sexual assault. I feel so dirty saying that it fucks. So I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> give it the most polite fuck ever. So I think the movie fucks. Does the movie a sympathetic fuck? What's that? It's, it's not sympathetic. sympathetic. It's just it, this is not my bag. I mean, it, watching movies like this makes me feel ill. Literally, mm-hmm. the movie did ask for consent first, so it's okay. Yes, we all watched it. We all watched it. I understand. I'm just saying that you know, viscerally, like there's some movies like you can't watch the spore shit coming out of people's head. But for me, watching that, I just it just affects me. I'm like, I understand. Yeah. Well, I if I if I can have just one second, I do feel like saying this feels like a full circle moment for me because um, I'm pretty sure that the first conversation I ever had with Hydra but also like the first conversation I had with people on the slack was me saying that I don't think rape ever belongs in films like ever like I I very definitively said like I do not think it's necessary to ever involve rape in a movie and of course everybody came in and they very politely were like this is why you're wrong (laughs) and like once your opinion yeah and I you know I I have my own like I I've I've definitely refined my view on that um but I, I do think it was interesting that this is like the movie that I'd come on to talk with you guys first. <laughs> hmm. I mean, you literally kind of you were like, hey, if you if you're doing revenge, I would love to come on for it. So I was like, hey, psh, by all means, come on. Straight up requested. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, OK, that because I was starting to get a little worried that maybe you were a little bit coerced into this particular choice. No, 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 I'm no, glad no. to know that it was actually kind of your your choice. So. All right, cool. Well, shall we have the spoiler warning so that we can start getting into some detail? Sure. We're going to be talking about Revenge from 2017 in its entirety, which you can find on Shudder. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, uh, go watch it, come back to find out what we thought about, and to reiterate the warning from Jacqueline, we will be touching on some very sensitive subjects in regards to sexual assault. Yep. All right. Hydraberg. Do you have a consensual reach around for I us? was just going to say, my reach around is very consensual today. Okay. Let me mute myself here because I always laugh. There's not much to laugh about in this one. So, but thank you. Ready? Yep. A vengeful tale told in a day. A rising star who loves Olay is victimized with great dismay. Left for dead, put on display, but manages to get away. These predators become her prey. One by one, she comes to slay. 
a victim she no longer plays. They never thought she'd survive the night, but women always put up a fight. What they did to her wasn't right. Now one by one pays with their lives. A peyote-fueled dream on the brink of death. She almost took her final breath. A victim of masculine offenses. She mends her wounds and takes her chances. Then comes back to her senses, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. The tables turned, she took her lashes. Her victims now more than sorry. With wit and grit, she kills them gory. Through guts and glory, she tells her story. Over jagged rock, barefoot, she walked the ledge. All along the razor's edge. Nothing so brutal than a woman's revenge. That was good. That was really good. Masterful. Yep. So, so we might as well just get on the, you know, the main elephant in the room is the the rape scene itself. Um, John, I understand why it does uh, trigger you. I understand why it triggers anybody. I do. I do respect that the film. It's it doesn't show it in graphic detail. It's, um, you know, it's that's it's true. It to it. We we un- we understand that it happened. But we don't we, we don't view it. We don't zoom in on it where there's nothing, you know, it's still it's still enough to give this scene a powerful like moment. And then the fact that like Dimitri ignores it while it's happening is even more like offensive. Right. And then Richard gets back and tries to cover it up. So it's just it's it's disgusting. And, you know, no matter how you put it. But so I, I think what's maybe the most horrifying about the rape scene is the the way that the um oh gosh what's her name i want to say matilda lutz is that her yeah matilda lutz yeah um the the, her acting in that scene like we don't we don't see like the the like physical reality of the rape so much it's not as prolonged as some rape scenes in in other movies like this it's not as graphic um but the acting on her face and the emotion and fear and terror that she's portraying, I think that's what's really upsetting for me more than like Same. the like yeah. physical reality of the rape. It's what she's expressing through her acting. Fucking Dimitri the, guy just turns yeah. up the volume on the TV. The look yeah. of and despair like, in her face when Dimitri walks in the despair. room, like, oh my god, throw me a lifeline here, like help me. Yeah, that's the and right he's just word. chewing like a like a disgusting. That shot was gross, by the way. Yeah, it was gross. It was so gross. ASMR, like, gross, too. Mm. Yeah, and then, like you said, he turns up the music so he doesn't have to even listen to it and goes for a swim. So, well, I I took that moment as not, well, you know, now that I think of it, I'm wrong. But what I was going to say is I thought he turned up the music so that neighbors wouldn't hear, but then I realized they're pretty Yeah, there's nobody there. So he wouldn't hear. But what I love is that I feel like there's a little moment of poetic justice later when she stabs him in the eyes mm-hmm. i feel like that's like a punishment for him watching and being like a witness doing nothing yeah. and so i love mm-hmm. that um but I, I had i had a question for you guys so in my reading about this movie i kept seeing the same kind of observation over and over again from different reviewers and just regular audience members but people saying that this movie subverts the tropes of rape revenge films and and kind of tout it as like um, a new kind of movie that flips that subgenre on its head. Now, I will say I can see a couple of those tropes that are done differently from the typical, you know, rape revenge film. But I don't know if I would go so far as to say it's flipped on its head. So I just wanted to ask you guys what you think about that. Like, 
does this conform mostly to like the general formula of a rape revenge film or do you see this as a subversive? I feel like it does. I just feel like it's more stylistic than most of those kind of films. It definitely fits in with that genre, that subgenre. Um, I mean, it doesn't do anything. She's a woman who gets raped and like left for dead. Like, just like I spit on your grave in a sense, you know, and like she comes out for her revenge, you know, um, a lot of these films have that same. I don't I wouldn't call it a trope necessarily. I mean, it's it's the way these plots sort of play out. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it works for this film. What do you guys yeah. think? Yeah. The only John. other rape revenge movie that I've seen was I, I think it's a rape revenge film is Mother's Day. I actually watched it on Joe yeah. Bob. Um, and in that one, I that movie was wildly different from the one that I watched. Um, I was going to watch I Spit on Your Grave before this, but then I just I, I kept like putting it off and then I not I didn't get around to it. Um, it's not but, an easy so, watch. That would be a lot of rape and revenge. In a yeah, short that's a, of time. these are the I kind of films you I don't think you want to do a lot of them over like time. Spread them yeah, out. Yeah, gonna... that was kind of like, I was like, you know, I think I'll, I'll put that one on the shelf for a little longer. <laughs> so I can't really compare it to other rape revenge movies other than Mother's Day, which, like I said, was just wildly different from this movie, like through and through. Yeah, they could have went that route uh, that uh, Last House on the Left did, even the remake. It was just an overly long graphic scene that... You know, if you're trying to drive the point home, this is bad. They did. And, you know, it's just like like movies like that, that it just it really bothers me. Not to say I didn't get into the movie later, but there was just this point in time, you know, after the assault happened, um, Richard came home and he was trying to convince her, oh, I'll pay all this money to you and move her to Canada about it. She just wanted to get the fuck out of there. And and. The thing that made it worse is she's so isolated. Like you said, Jacqueline, yeah. you thought there might be neighbors. No, they're in the middle of the desert, which, mm-hmm. by the way, was beautifully shot. Oh, if it's, we're going to talk about a, a gorgeous good setting. Oh, yeah. man. Just the opening scene, is, I think, is fucking so cool of just the way the mm-hmm. helicopter is coming in. And then now on the second time, I've noticed in contrast, it's very similar to the end scene of her at the pool again, where we're seeing the uh, the view. But we get that reflection of. The aviators on Richard's wearing where, as they're mm-hmm. flying in and we see Jen in the background, like, you know, with her lollipop. And she's like, you know, she's this party girl. When we first see her, the, her relationship with Richard seems like maybe, you know, she's the mistress. He might be like what you would call a daddy sort of. Um, and, it, the, you know, it totally changes over time. Her transformation is it's a 180 at the end. But I feel like um, they use the. They use the color blue and the color pink in this mm-hmm. movie quite a bit. Like the aviators and her wearing all that pink. And then they have like the obvious, like the blue and the pink panel in that, you know, window, the board. Yeah. Um, and her earrings. Her earrings. Yeah. And he wears the blue vest, that fucking yeah. leather jacket. That thing was ridiculous. Whenever they like walk up to the pond the first time, I was like, what the fuck is Richard wearing? Like these other two guys are wearing camo and like clothes that you would normally probably want to wear when you're hunting. And Richard's over here in like cobalt blue in the middle mm-hmm. of the day. He had his like his motored bike fucking outfit on. Yeah, his dirt bike. He's yeah. that guy was a douche. Oh my god, I hated well, that guy. I, well, I, yeah, I agree. And something that really kind of made me feel very uneasy watching this movie is that we know from the beginning that he's a douche because it's made clear pretty early on that he's cheating on his wife and that Jen is his mistress. Yeah. And so, but 
But at first, you don't know how bad he is. Like, he just seems like a run-of-the-mill cheating douchebag. Yeah. Which, you know, that's not good, but there's lots of them. But to me, what's unsettling is how short the leap is from run-of-the-mill douchebag to a guy who's willing to kill his girlfriend. Yeah. So I, I had a question about that. Do you guys think this is, like, the first time that he's tried to kill a woman who saw something she wasn't supposed to or something like that because I and not to say that like I'm going to start implicating that implying that he did but I just it felt like it was so easy for him to not even just the first time he's killed a woman the first time he's killed just people in general because the minute someone dies he's always immediately has like a backup story like whenever Dimitri dies he's like oh he just got carried away and he just died while hunting and then with uh Jen he was like I can't remember what his story was, but he just like instantly had stories for everyone who died. He's got like the most to lose, it seems. So like he's very quick to just like cover something up so it doesn't affect his life. Well, he's got to be a and, drug dealer or something. You know, how can he afford that much money? He can afford to rent a helicopter, but he's always disappearing to places and then coming back a few hours later, like when, doing some sort of deal. So yeah, uh, when when I first saw this movie, I kind of had that idea too, Logan, that like. At first, I thought this was like like Jen was meant to be hunted at some point. Like instead of hunting real game, they were going to be hunting, you know, humans. Oh, like maybe that was the intention all along. Yeah. And they bring a girl along that's disposable. He did seem seem unhappy that they showed up early. He did. And uh, Richard's a total douche, but he's at least more charming at first when you first meet him. Once you meet Dimitri and Stan, you know, automatically right away that they are fucking losers. And uh, (laughs) A term uh, from uh, Straight Chill and LLC is uh, the cooters. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Straight Chill and LLC. But no, they're total cooters like right off the bat. And we understand that Richard is anyway, because he this is the company that he keeps. So we realize right away, like, OK, he's a fucking dick, too. I'm curious of what they hunt out in the desert. What, where was this filmed at? I don't know. He killed a fox. Morocco. Was it? Because it, it looked like Australia. I got weird vibes the first time I saw it because I speak in and- French. But yeah. yeah, I also got the vibe that it looked like Arizona. I mean, it's just like they didn't. It was like a no and place. She's from. It she's was from meant to States. be. It was meant yeah. to be ambiguous, right? Oh, she's okay. supposed to be American. Yeah, I mean, she's from LA, mm-hmm. right? Well, and then, so it's, I, it's not necessarily set in Morocco, but it was shot in Morocco. I think the filmmaker intended for us. She wants to, to go live. She wants to move to LA. I never okay. understood exactly if which one was which. And he was going to send her to Canada, which is like. LA. Well, they film a lot of movies. It's like LA. We also love the um in the beginning, right, with the aviator scene and the helicopter scene, it flashes to that um the the title card in in yellow, which it does in the at the very end, it like bookends it, which I kind of love about that. And I just got like Tarantino vibes from that sort of like the styling and some of these some of the shots, the way they're done, and the like you said, uh Logan, like the the color usage, uh, the, the use of color in certain scenes, and how it they keep bringing it up in certain scenes later on, um, when you're when you're actually paying attention to it, it's it's uh, it's very stylistic. I think this director is really good. Was this her her feature film debut? She's only done a couple, from what I was looking. I don't know if it was feature, but I've only seen like two or three films from her. Do we Will know if bro- this is the first um, like full length one? Uh. Orly Forget, I think is her name. Yeah. I'm probably butchering it. I think she, yeah, I think she's French. Yeah. yeah. I would wait, wait, wait. Coralie something. I, I don't know her last name. Well, what I was going to bring up at, in Hyderabad, you brought it up at the beginning of the music. 
the music and the score were like on a point. It felt modern. It looked clean. It it, it was just it went with the movie so well. I mean, there was no cues. That yeah, this were, is a feature link. Sorry, Joe. Um, no, there were no cues where like the music was off. It just felt like it flowed really well. Yeah, it really serviced that like cat and mouse vibe too. Like it, the it intensity did. of certain scenes ramped up as with the music, and it all just it worked really well for the um for the scenes in general. I agree. I think it created tension where it needed to, but wasn't intrusive during moments that we needed it to back off. So right. I feel like it was really just right. And um, like in the beginning, oh, what were we gonna say? Oh no, I was no, gonna just in the beginning. Subjects. I thought it like it worked well for like the party atmosphere, and you know, like. But you could tell something was still uh, like aloof, you know, you don't know something's off once Stan and Dimitri get there. Like you can tell right away, Stan's a fucking weirdo. Like he's a fucking rapey prick. Uh, just from that morning scene where he's like, oh, it's just you and me. And he's just staring at her. And she's it's so like, and? <laughs> like she danced with you the night before, bro. It was playful. And you could tell she did it mainly to just get her boyfriend jealous a little bit because he didn't want to dance with her. Yeah, so she within- danced with, her, with his buddy, but it wasn't. Yeah, within that time, it got uncomfortable like three times because it was like she was she was sitting out there and she's just looking at her phone and she does know not know what to say. I thought she did a great acting job. She just kind of, you know, it's uncomfortable. She didn't want to feed into it. Yeah. Yeah. And then they made it feel very awkward. That was good acting. And then he's peeping in on her while she's changing. And then just invites himself in. Like she turns around and sees him standing there and she's like, oh, and she covers up and he doesn't like back out. Like, oh, sorry. He's, he just strolls right in. Like yeah, he's he says, entitled Oh, I didn't to... mean to frighten you. <laughs> like, like I meant to come in here. I just didn't mean to frighten you. <laughs> Oops. My bad. Yeah. I, I, the minute that like, like you guys said, the minute she looks down at her phone and you see his small file, I feel like even even as I watched this movie, like even whenever I was watching it earlier tonight, I felt this like endless pit just form in my stomach. And I just it just it was so uncomfortable to sit in that with them. And it's just it, it's so gross. And like I didn't even think about the fact that she was just dancing with him to like make her, you know, her man jealous, which like clearly it worked because he yeah. scooped her up and ran out. But then like <laughs> Dimitri clearly took that as a like, oh, like. She wants me too, or like, oh, she's a mistress. So like, you know, there's plenty to go around, or whatever the fuck. I don't know. He just felt so entitled. <laughs> no, absolutely. he basically seemed to think she was like a whore, like just that yeah. she's there for the taking for from anybody. Like, yeah. and that's what's so infuriating about his attitude towards her. Um, yeah, but I so I have to make a confession. At the beginning of the movie, before the before the sexual assault happens, you know, we see the way that Jen is dressed. She's dressed very skimpily and she yeah. has a very kind of flirtatious and sensual air about her. She seems very youthful and into like playing up her youthfulness and her sexuality. You know, she has like kind of a Lolita look to her, right? Like mm-hmm. the like pink sunglasses and she's sucking a lollipop and she has like a little micro mini skirt and just the little kind of trappings of like kind of a you know a, a youthful party girl, right? Mm-hmm. Um and the camera really lingers a lot on her body. Oh, yes. I feel like we're sort of <laughs> invited to gaze at her body quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, like not even including her face, but I mean, just like close up shots of her midriff and her mm-hmm. legs and her butt and her cleavage and all this stuff. And it just like sits there and let us look. Um, and I feel like the filmmaker 
probably does this to kind of trick us into yeah. thinking we know what kind of person this is and and make some assumptions about yeah. her so that the filmmaker can then flip that for us later on when she becomes like a warrior, you know? She's very capable, yeah. But I have to say, so this is my confession, I have to say that I even caught myself in some like biases um, that like upon kind of seeing this character for the first time, I made judgments on her, which is not what I want to do as a woman. But I, I caught myself thinking like, oh, this like little ditz, like she's going to be this like, you know, airhead who doesn't do anything. Like, I didn't even really like I, I hadn't even watched the trailer for this. Like, I kind of knew the general premise, but I, I really didn't know what to expect. And so I just kind of like I found myself passing judgment on this character because of the way that she was dressed and the way that she was presenting herself. And I really kind of like wrote her off as like a dumb character. And but I did sort of catch myself doing that. And I was like, no, I some something is she's she's going to be capable of more than this. And like, I needed to like check myself. You know what I mean? I, I think that it's and I don't want to use the word manipulation as like a negative thing. I, I think that genuinely the filmmaker was trying to manipulate manipulate us into thinking that because even I found myself kind of thinking some of those things too, like as they were happening. And I was like, this is how victim blaming like honestly happens. You know, whenever it comes to women who do come forward about their rape, it's always like, well, what were you wearing? Well, like, were you leading him on? Like all this other bullshit, you know, like I think that's kind of what they were trying to capture in her as, as a character of like, you know, this is probably what they want you to think about her when really like at the end of the day, it's not her fucking fault. And right. you know, like sure. all those things. And like, I, 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 you know, I say these, I, I think about stuff like this a lot as someone who like has been sexually assaulted, you know, in my, in my past. And that's something that I'm very open about. Like, it's not an emotional thing for me to discuss, but it's just something that like, I don't know. I'm really passionate about it. So that's why I'm getting into like, I want to stop ranting, but <laughs> I, I do think that yeah. we were manipulated purposefully into thinking that about her. So that way, like it, it I do think it enhances you know, that the next, the rest of her journey as she does kind of, sometimes she's a little too smart. Sometimes there are things where I'm like, how did, how do you know that you're supposed to do that? <laughs> so, yeah, some of that stuff was kind of unrealistic, but I think that's just what adds the fun, not the fun, but the, the, the excitement of the movie later. Yeah. I, and, and that's fine. If you're going to embellish on something and you pick something up, I mean, to me, something that was really effective, but seemed completely, utterly, impossible is when she fell on that tree because she's mm -hmm. she doesn't know where to go i mean she again she has this vast land of she doesn't know where the fuck she's at and mm -hmm. just run just run but i i love the image of her on the tree like no, I so love, do I. I i i loved it and i thought that the way that the was ants. shot was beautiful because it was yeah. just you know, you know she's in shock and and she's stuck on this branch and she figured out Oh, I've I've got a lighter right here. I'm gonna light. Yeah, this that's where like survival mode kicks in, and it seems a little unrealistic. Where it's like, she she never mentions like, oh, my father was a hunter or anything like that's that. That's what you're... I was gonna say. Yeah, just, she just a little bit of breadcrumb. You're like, oh, okay, so somebody taught her some of these things, or she's she, she's very capable, and I love it anyway. And John, you're right. Like some of it does come across as like a little bit like, well, where did she? Like, how does she? She like we're meant to like you. You guys are absolutely right. We're meant to think automatically from the beginning. It's like, oh, she's a ditz. She's a party girl. Um, you know what I mean? She, she's not seeing any of the red flags that are going on. Like you're surrounded by three guys. They look thirsty as fuck. Mm. Um, and you're the only woman. 
isolated area. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't seem aware of her surroundings as much until like she's around Stan alone. And because yeah. Richard's Stan, she trusts Richard at that moment. So when Richard's not there, she feels a little more defensive. So, but you're right. And the, the fact that the filmmaker could make even women feel that way about her a little bit, I feel like it's, it's definitely a testament to the, to the, um, you know, the production of the film. I think it does a pretty mm-hmm. good job of giving you that 180. But John, you're right. Like they're so like I love most of the scenes that seem a little unrealistic, but I still love them. Like, mm-hmm. how does she know to bash the fucking, you know, uh the, the lens of the fucking flashlight? Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. such a smart move. It's such a smart move to do. Yeah. She's been barefoot this whole time. She knows that he's missing his shoe at that point. And so mm-hmm. she she knows he's on her on her tail. He's shot and like not thinking straight. So he's probably going to not look and he's going to step on the glass. So like those little scenes burning the tree down, because if you do burn a tree, eventually it will become soft enough that it'll break. And yeah, I was like, well, you're on the tree, so you're going to get on fire, too. I also think there's a lot of of symbolism in this in this movie, too, that like I didn't pick up on the first time. Um, I mentioned the Phoenix. I think the Phoenix mm-hmm. is a is a definitely a thing that they kind of hammer home a little bit uh, with the can and stuff. But like the burning of the tree, when when she comes to back to life on the tree, it's almost like she was fucking dead. Yeah, and then just comes mm-hmm. back to life like she's reborn. Yeah, right? and when she's reborn, all of a sudden that's when she's fucking badass now. Like she's she's had her full. She's been she left for dead, raped, and then now she's like, this is it. I'm gonna I'm in survival mode, and I'm doing anything it takes to fucking survive well well, i thought it was i thought it was more realistic of that first part of it is that the only thing she is doing is hiding and running hiding and running because they've got vehicles the only thing she wants to do she got really smart jumped in the water cleaned herself off covered up her tracks yeah when Mm -hmm. she pulled back against the rock instead of trying to run away right away right yeah the can came over and she was like that was very smart to just get out of view right um i love like I got like burning bush vibes from the tree too, which has symbolism too. Um, you know, like the burning bush from the Bible. Yeah, was that Moses? Yeah, and it's like a sign of like um, I don't know, like God's light and like isn't like I God's coming to speak with you? Yeah, it was like rebirth and stuff like that. So it was like there was some inspiration there. I was wondering if that symbolism was there. Plus the way like the flames burning and that's where I was kind of getting like when I first got like the the phoenix kind of vibe. And then mm-hmm. later on with the can situation, there's some other things too. Did you guys uh, like yeah. the blood drops on that? Like, I did. I mean, on the ants, the blood raining on the ants was fucking awesome. Like, yeah. super slow yeah, and heavy. It sounds like it's got weight to it when it hits the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminded me of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. Oh, that reminded me of uh, uh, Bugs Life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was definitely <laughs> the vibe that I got, but that's more our generation, I think. Uh, yeah. Logan, have you yeah. ever seen that? A uh, very long time ago, but I used to see ads for it on my uh, VHS movies. Yeah. I was young enough. Yeah. I'm, I'm old enough for VHS. <laughs> we also okay. get at the same time that she's like basically dead on the tree. We see Richard burning her shit. Right. And he burns the I love L.A. shirt. And as yeah. that burns up, it's like she's reborn after that. So it's like her old self was being destroyed. She's dead. Her clothes are burned, all her belongings. And then she comes back to life on the tree. Um, and it's just a great shot. I just love like her like body like draped over it. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I was also wondering. I don't know. I might just be grabbing, but I was wondering if the because she's impaled and it, like it, it's like she's being penetrated by the tree. 
And it's yeah. like a mirror of her rape earlier. And like both offenses to this poor woman's body, you know what I mean? Of being penetrated forcefully. It's almost like, I wonder if it's supposed to be like symbolism with that as well. Like, And uh, removing that tree branch from her stomach was also like a very painful experience for her. And like, yeah. like, you know, women who do deal with, you know, horrendous experiences such as that, it's a super painful experience in the aftermath. So I felt like that was symbolic of her, like kind of coming to terms with what happened. And then eventually she hits up that peyote and <laughs> she's able to kind of like cauterize her wound and stuff. And then she's chilling. But um, yeah, I, I, that's a, that's a good point. Hyderberg about the, the tree. That's somehow like that cave scene too. I think yeah. And medically like speaking, powerful. if you ever get impaled with something, never, cool, ever, yeah. ever take it out. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought you were not supposed to take it out. And so I was like, I'm guessing that burning the tree basically like cauterized the wound in the back like as it broke when it burned. Well, yeah, it definitely did. It didn't really show it, her burning, but she yeah. has the burn mark in the back. And then when she mm. cauterizes the wound later on, she never they never show her do the back. She does the front. No, yeah. she got burned on the, the tree. Cane. That's how yeah, she was able to she has off. a burn mark in the back. Now, but then the would it but scene, then would, if it got cauterized in the back? then that would have happened before she took the branch out. So then if she, when she pulled the branch out, that would have opened the back wound again. Well, it was like the fire was enough to cauterize like the wound, I guess, which, you know, it's, that's a good point. Jacqueline. It was enough for it to break off. I should have had Joey give his medical opinion of this. (laughs) There are some like, that would never happen. There are some threads you need to connect in order to enjoy this film. Like you got to turn your brain off for a couple of things. You got to suspend the disbelief a little bit. Like I I really don't. I think almost none of I think none of these people would have survived as long as they did no. with those injuries in the real peyote, life. Like people getting shot left out. And right. They probably would have just found her bugging out in the cave. But yeah, Richard like made it a point. Yeah, Richard made it a pain. Yeah, he made a point uh, early when they were doing the party. Is that? Oh yeah, this guy took peyote and he cut off his own leg. He didn't yeah, feel he didn't it, but feel he it, he yeah. died with no blood in him. So I do love that scene though. Like she chugs a beer, she gets settled in, like. And she comes to grips with everything that's going on. And she's like, fuck this. I'm fucking she she familiarizes herself with the shotgun because earlier on she wasn't familiar with it and she went to shoot it and it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't loaded or it was on safety. So mm-hmm. I think that was great scene too to show her like, all right, she's fighting back now. And she's gonna like this is that's her transformation right there in the cave, right? Like with the fire, the flames, uh, you know, she literally cauterizes the wound with the can, which I thought was genius, but at the same time. The one thing that does bother me is that she gets the Phoenix or the Eagle, you know, uh, like branding, but the can. Oh not, yeah, from the can. It's not raised, right? Right. So like, it's it's just flat. a fucking flat label that would have burned off. Like, I get it for the movie. It, it looks awesome. Like, it's great that she's branded that now onto her, and that's yeah. like her go her driving force after that. And so I like I forgive it, but at the same time, it's one of the things that the first time kind of took me out because I'm like, wait a minute, why does she have a brand? There was no yeah. brazing on the can. If it was a can that had a little bit of that, I would have believed that more. So it was like, that was like a little detail I wish they kind of thought about before they did it, because it's a dope idea. Maybe there was actually some like innovation in can branding I've that year. I've never drank a French can, like, so maybe, maybe French can. Maybe the different. French actually, it's had American know, beer on it. Engra- engrave their, their beer cans. I don't know. But it's an I, awesome image. Yeah, yeah I, love the, the, I love the trip out scenes. Where she yeah, keeps getting up say, screaming, bam, ah, bam. I love the whole, uh, sorry, 
I loved the whole cave scene, like leading up to before she took the peyote. I put, I love this whole cave scene. Cry it out, girl. Um, <laughs> but right. the when she was tripping on peyote and then Stan started turning into a iguana, right? Because mm-hmm. he's that, a creepy bastard. That did kind of um, make me chuckle. But was there like symbolism in there, or is it just like he's just he's a, a lizard? High- He's, yeah. he's a reptile. He has like a lizard brain and he, he just operates on like the and id. Then you you know? see the lizard lick its lips, I think. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Liz- lizard brain. He has no like higher intelligence. But I do like the dream state of like, yeah, she. you think she's in a nightmare. She wakes up. Okay, everything's cool. Nope, she's still in the nightmare. And even that was disorienting that, as fuck. Like, yeah, me. it was because you didn't expect the like the double nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, well, have you all ever had something like that happen to you while you're sleeping? Where like only once in, I've only once I've only ever had that once in a while, but I have had like a double nightmare before where I was it, I remember it sticking out to me, too, because I was like, that's some movie shit right there. Like, <laughs> I didn't know that was yeah. a real thing, but it actually did happen where I was having a dream within a dream. I was Leonardo DiCaprio was there and we were in a van. <laughs> and went back with <laughs> um, no, I you used to I'm deal serious. with sleep paralysis a lot growing up. Um, and I would often have times where I'd wake up in the middle of the night, but I would still be like half in a dream state. And so, like, in my head, I would convince myself that I had gotten up out of bed and I had, like, walked into the bathroom. And then, like, I would flash back to, like, being paralyzed. And I'd be like, fuck, I didn't do any of that. Um, Whoa. (laughs) So, like, whenever she, like, woke up from her dream, like, two and three times, I was like, yep, yeah, I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) Never done hallucinogenics. Um, Those are not my style. (laughs) I've never done peyote. So. No he comment. pointedly did not say the other things he has not done. <laughs> well, I've admitted on the cast before I've taken acid and mushrooms. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I, th- I do think the cave scene is really awesome. Um, yeah. I, just I feel like that's, like, a pivot, her... like that's a pivotal point for her. Yeah, it is. It's like where she turns the tables. Like she's ready to go. She's already taken. So she's taken down Dimitri at that point, which is he's an easy mark. Right. But mm-hmm. she took him down. She fought him. He was mm-hmm. going to try and kill her. And he, and he stabs her and he, she stabs him in the eyes. Um, and I just love how she grabs the knife. He's not aware, and she still goes down in the water. She could have stabbed him then, but she waits. She waits it out till she comes up out of the water, and then stabs yeah. him. And I like the gore of that effect. And I was like, oh shit, she got him twice. Yep. The one thing I didn't like is when she pulls the knife out. Like his face looks a little rubbery. Like you could tell it's like a plaster. Face yeah. Plaster. I, it's okay because this movie does a good amount of gore. So, well, I'll just say with Dimitri, like when you see his body floating later, I mean, there's no way in a couple hours that your body's so going to bloat up that much in yeah. water. But well, we don't also, know. It could have been French water. We don't know what the French water. No, was like. the French could have been fr- It was Perrier. That's what Perrier yeah. does. <laughs> it, it was a Botox that makes it you. Could have been, yeah, it was uh, Don Perignon. That, that... <laughs> Thanks, uh, Annie Wilkes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I, I do have to say, like, several of the wounds that, that we see characters sustain, they have a little bit of a, like, fake quality to them when you kind of look at them close up. So, yeah. but it doesn't bother me. I feel like the movie's so over the top with the gore that it, like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. It's like, it's not realistic anyway yeah. in the, like, extremity that it goes to. So that doesn't bother me, but I did notice it. Yeah, like, like uh, uh, what's his name? Richard's, gut, Richard's Richard's gut like, shot. Yeah, but I will say, like, both Richard and Jen, like, 
cover their wounds in very ingenious ways. Like, I don't know if I would have thought to use a beer can to cauterize my wound, wound, nor do I think I would have, well, maybe I would have thought of saran wrap, but he saran wraps himself to keep his guts in. Which I thought was pretty pretty good because he was just bleeding the fuck out. Well, that that was the problem. That's how I've ever seen in a movie too. That scene went on way too long, though. I love it. I kind of love how that was great. I was waiting for him to pull out a chainsaw like fucking American Psycho and start chasing around. Maybe. Um, <laughs> what's up, Logan? You look like you're Sorry, dying to say uh, something. No, it's no, it's okay. Um, I'm trying to find. Um, so uh, the very first time that Diego and I watched this movie, and they have this scene where she's chasing him around the house, I like out loud just said, "Wow, I love that he's naked here." And Diego looked at me like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait." wait. <laughs> um, the reason why I like that he's like naked during this part is because of how vulnerable he is. Yeah, you know, definitely. like. And he's slipping and sliding on his own fucking blood. And that shit was awesome. I was like, eat it, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I thought the same thing, Logan, that he's just so vulnerable, like like she was, you know, just yeah. being left alone. And, you know, this guy's this guy's got uh, uh, some terrible masculinity going on. It's like, I'll get you. Da-da. And yeah, their guns are absolutely just extensions of their penis. Yeah, the scene goes on long, but I almost feel like it's on purpose, too, because, like, it's so disoriented. And, like, we get, like, the audio of the commercial just keep looping. And, like, so I feel like with them looping around, it's sort of like a trippy sort of, I don't know, there's like a vibe to it where it's it's just like this maze. She's a mouse or she she was a mouse. Now she's the cat. He's the Mm -hmm. mouse now. They're in the maze. And he's just running for his life. And then he's trying to turn the tables as he can. Like you said, John, he's trying to be masculine, but he's fucking naked. He's bleeding out. Like he just, he knows he might die anyway. He just wants to try and kill her to get back at her. And then like, but she's totally the dominant one in the, in the, in the, Mm -hmm. she's the one who's playing it smart, right? She slips. That's the one thing that happens that fucks her up. But well, it's all that blood and, and it's tile. So there's no way she can get traction and she's barefoot. And it's like slam. I also love, like, when we talk about the cave scene, the way she, like, fucking MacGyver's, like, the can and then puts the knife through it and, like, uses the knife to... Like, I thought that was just ingenious. Like, mm-hmm. I was waiting for her to put some of the gunpowder from the shells. and then, Oh, like, just like Rambo? I thought that's what she was going to do. Also, that shotgun was dope. Y'all, if I am ever in a life or death situation like that or some kind of survival situation, I'm going to be dead in 15 minutes. Because no, I would never think of that shit. Back to. Oh, yes. I will listen to podcasts when I'm running for my life and say, ah, I remember now I need to impale a beer can. Jacqueline, just update your social medias on where you're at. We'll find you. (laughs) Just help me, guys. I can't fend for myself. I do not have, like, skills. I also love the image of her riding the ATV after she kills Dimitri before she goes to the cave. And it's, like, at night, and she's just, like, she's spent. Like, she looks terrible. Like, she's been through so much already. Yeah. But she just looks so fucking badass and everything's dark. Right. But like we still get to see the glimmer of the, the star earrings, the, per- mm. the pink star. There's such a, mm. a such a big like stylistic thing in this movie, like a uh, choice of it's on the cover. It's in every image you see of her yeah. it's throughout the film. Even when she gets her ear blown off her lobe, the, the earring stuck on <laughs> it. Like she loses it. To me, that's like this- a symbol that she is she's transformed, but she is like as a woman you can be both things um she's the feminine she's the femme fatale like she's the yeah like yeah you said, she's... like like you don't have to sacrifice um 
things that are fun or lighthearted or feminine or whatever in order to be like strong and badass and like fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. So I, I I see that as just like a little signal that you can you can be both. Like she doesn't really entirely like have to shed one for the other. Yeah, and like the iconic picture of her with the pink star earrings was like the the thumbnail for Shutter for the longest time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like every time you'd open up Am- every time we open up Amazon Prime and Shutter's like that first channel I'd always see her. And so after I finally did see the movie, I was always so like proud to see her on there and th- they changed it and I was kind of bummed. But yeah, I much okay. prefer that to like the fucking tooth man. I hate that. <laughs> One issue God, like, uh, when are they going to yeah, change that's channel that? 0. Fuck. Oh, you mean the actual thumbnail just for shutter in general yeah i fucking oh, hate every time i log into shutter there's that tooth man there and tooth I, man. I hate it tooth man uh-huh. <laughs> um one, one issue i do have speaking of transformations i don't know if it's just me but does she go from being a blonde to a brunette midway through the film because she's so she gets that her hair's like I, wet that's and what dirty i want to say it's from and blood and dirt and it's blood yeah, dirt and dust water too if you look if you look at the film later on like she's literally a brunette like it's not even like dirty blonde hair she's just a brunette at that point like i noticed that i was I mean, like i wonder if they film happens. these scenes later or if they're just doing this on purpose like well she's kind of a dirty blonde to start with and yeah. like just just getting in the shower like dirty blonde hair will turn like dark brown yeah. just being i don't wet, hate it so. i just noticed it more this sounds like man yeah she's like, i mean i don't think they like hair. surreptitiously color her hair or anything i think it's just like, really matted with dirt to just be sort of like symbolic too of like her transformation into another person she's like a totally different person at this point like you know like the person that she is to fight for her life and take revenge on these guys and what she's Mm -hmm. capable of at this moment is totally different than the blonde-headed you know like you said ditzy kind of woman or like what we thought was ditzy possibly Mm -hmm. when we first met her so by the way i'm sorry if i could cut in for just one second i do feel the need to clarify something i just want to make it clear that just because I thought she was like a ditz at the beginning, that like based on that, I formed assumptions about like her intelligence and capability as a character. In no way did I feel like, oh, she's like gonna get raped and like it's kind of no, funny. no, no, or anything like yeah. that. I just want to make it clear that I don't hold her culpable. Like my image of her at the beginning does not make her culpable for what happens to her later. Right. When I when I said that earlier, I meant it led me to assumptions about her like capability so i just wanted to make yeah, sure I never that, took that, that, was, either. that was clear yeah. um, i took it as more of like you just she wasn't aware necessarily of her surroundings at the moment and then the fact that she transforms into this total badass later like you didn't think she was capable of necessarily yeah, Pre- yeah that, that's that's more in line on. with what i was saying i just wanted to make sure that was clear i don't want anybody to feel like you know oh she had it coming or anything speaking I, of which I, the kill of uh what's his name um uh, Stan, that's it. Stan. Is he the gro- the gross one who raped her? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I don't remember all their names. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just love the way she stalks him and takes and shoots at him when he's pumping putting the gas in there. Um, and we get the lizard face while she's looking through the scope. And yeah. I, at first, I'm like, you can't hit him from here with a, a shotgun, but it's it's a slugs, so she can. Well, I again, I and you brought it up earlier. Hydroberg yeah, was can go the... pretty far the brilliance of taking a flashlight as she's being chased by this guy and slamming it against the rock that cut on his foot looked awesome. And that's after she's been shot and she still kept her fucking wits. Right. You know, she got up and she was like staggering, but she got up and she knew like this guy's still on my tail. He's hurt though. So, 
you know, she still has a little bit of an advantage, but she just got half her ear blown off. And yeah, she's smart enough to just take the flashlight and smash it. Yeah, he cuts his foot. He goes back to the car. That foot it, scene is <clears throat> gross. Oh, that was really maybe good. the most uncomfortable scene for me. And it went on and on <laughs> and on. Him trying I to thought dig he got the, glass the glass out of his first, foot. And then he dug, I was like, oh, no, he missed it. He like he wipes... shoved his whole fist in there to get that glass out. Damn. Logan, he wipes yeah. all that blood on his face. And I was like, oh, oh my God. I, sensory overload. Well, and, like, the and then when he goes mixing... to give it gas, when he puts when he starts the car and he's like giving it gas and the foot's just like like squirting. blood's just yeah, squirting out of it. <laughs> That was yeah. fucking awesome. Like the um, sound design was so intense in those moments. Like clearly somebody was like leaning into a mic going like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to experience his pain and his discomfort because he's such a fucking like he's a little creep. He's a lizard like the little bitch. Yeah. So like to see him suffer is just like, yes, you know, to see her turn the tables on him, especially him, you know. The final kill. Yeah. I wonder if there was like a plan maybe in the movie or they had to cut it or something where they there could have been a little more torture to that guy. Like maybe duct tape tape him to a rock and and then like shoot his nuts off. Shoot the what, Hyderberg? I thought she was gonna shoot the gas and blow up the car. So did I. Yeah. Well, so I mentioned yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. So I mentioned earlier that I thought it was kind of poetic justice that she stabs Dimitri in the eyes after he like watched her and did not like watch the rape happen and did nothing. And then at the end, she shoots Richard in the guts, which is where she was impaled with yeah. the stick. And so I kind of saw a parallel there. Stan's but dick, with though. yeah, with Stan, is that his name? I can't remember these. Yeah, yeah Stan. With Stan, I really, really, really wanted to see her like shoot him in the dick. Yeah. And so I feel kind of let down that that didn't happen. I feel like that would have completed the trifecta of retribution, but... um, Like, just pull him out of the car and pull him down. Like, she just holds her ground while he's, like, barreling towards her. And she's just, like, taking shot after shot at him and then eventually just hits him right in the head. What I do like is that how she just takes over after he's dead, just moves his fucking body under the ground, like throws it out of the truck and just jumps in the seat. Doesn't clean off the seat. Doesn't even care at this point. Like, she's just like, I got to get this this car started. I got to get out of here. Like, I just kind of love her determination, her grit. Like. She doesn't even speak that much in this film, too. Like in the very mm-hmm. end, like there's not much speaking of at all while she's there's not much dialogue in this film, period. But also yeah. I think that after she because I paid attention to this, I'm pretty sure that after she runs out of the house and like falls, you know, or gets pushed off the cliff and goes into the tree, I don't think she speaks again for the rest of the movie. She has no uh, dialogue no. after twenty the twenty-six minute mark. Exactly. And so like I, I don't I don't mind that, but I do kind of wish that she had just said like something. They were like, no cheesy one-liners here, bitch. <laughs> Not for you. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I wonder what the purpose of that was for her just to not speak. I was I was wondering if there was going to be trivia about that because I was like, there, what reason would they have for her to not speak when like, and that's mainly just, I think, coming from my own personal views on like how, I guess... Uh, sexual assault survivors should be portrayed in movies but that's also neither here nor there but if i'm allowed to go back for just one minute i wanted to ask you guys because stan after she dies quote unquote after he thinks she dies he's like apologizing to to richard and like he it feels like he feels a weird kind of guilt 
about what happened with Jen, he never apologizes to her. And like whenever they think that Dimitri is killing her, Stan's like clapping and listening to music and he's like so relieved. So I don't know if it's necessarily guilt, but like it's just so it's it's a weird dynamic, not dynamic. I don't know. It's just weird. And I wanted to ask what y'all thought about it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, those were his followers. You know, Richard was the leader. Those are the followers, like his little minions that do what he says. So he apologized to him. I'm so sorry for what I did. And then he has this conscience of, well, I I can't believe you pushed her off. And like you said, when when Dimitri got killed, he's like, oh, turns on the AC, falls asleep. He's good. He can can sleep well at night. Yeah, well... Mm -hmm. Richard even tells him, like, turn off the fucking AC, bro. (laughs) Killing the gas. For him to for him to be uncomfortable with Richard murdering her, like, I find that to be like really kind of disingenuous on his part as a character, not on the part of the writer, but as a character. Because I don't know, not every maybe not everybody will agree with me, but from a moral standpoint, I really don't see a huge difference between a man who's willing to rape a woman and a man who's willing to kill a woman. Um, I feel like both are just total blatant like disregard for their like value as living people. And so I just sometimes like, there are different types of men that are <laughs> each there's more than just a couple. <laughs> so some people are more willing like there's people that are killers that aren't rapists, you know what I mean? So it's like I guess there is like a distinction. I get what you're saying though. Mm-hmm. Because they, they don't have yeah, still have no qualms about doing no, He's got either. the balls to, like, rape a defenseless woman, but he doesn't have the balls to kill someone and then try and cover it up. Yeah, I just don't, like... I don't... There, to me, there's just not a whole lot of daylight between, like, oh, he's fine with raping this woman and he really has no qualms about it whatsoever, other than that, like, maybe it kind of fucked up his little, like, um, you know, leader's weekend or something. Um and the fact that he's disturbed that he pushed her off a cliff. Like, I I don't know. I find that a little morally disingenuous. Like, oh, big yeah. man's drawing a line in the sand. I just, I don't know. Maybe that's I just think me, Maybe he just but... wasn't comfortable with trying to cover up a murder because he didn't think they'd get away with it uh, as easily as defending themselves against a rape. You know, three guys. Three but that's guys not a moral objection. That's, that's a fear of getting caught. Yeah. I, I did like the way the director made these characters unforgivable you would like after everything that went down you're not saying there's a redeeming bone in their body they need to die i like the way she did that wonder too what's going to happen later once the helicopter gets there (laughs) she's like it's not even like i was waiting for the moment when i first saw it where she was just going to calmly go take a shower and dress for the helicopter to get on it but like she's just waiting there just covered in blood yeah she just walks out there and that That's guy the same seemed like he was I... like Team Richard almost. Roberto seemed like he was friends yeah. with Richard. So I don't know how he was going to handle this woman. Like, are they going to blame her for the murders of these people? Like, I would assume that like she's going to get away with everything because there's probably plenty of proof that, you know, what they did to her. Well, so that those are the same questions that I had at the end of Get Out. You remember in our yeah. discussion mm-hmm. on Get Out that I was like, okay, it's a satisfying ending because like, you know, our protagonist has made their escape. But, like, if this were the real world, like, they'd have some explaining to do. And, like, you know, everybody's got some pretty gnarly wounds. And, you know, I just feel like that's going to be tough to explain. Now, I do think that she would be entitled to the benefit of the doubt. I feel like, you know, 
Yeah, I think so. People are going to be more likely to believe her, but you never know. As much as I hate to admit it, you know, pretty women do get a lot of forgiveness whenever it comes to the court of public opinion and even the actual court. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So she has that going. Pretty white women. Pretty white women. I so badly wanted her to jump into that pool Mm. after she finally killed Richard. Like as she she even walks along the pool and the whole time I'm like, get in, get in, cannonball. (laughs) Get in. That would have been symbolic too if she like took a Pinball. dot into the pool and then comes out of it and stands on the ledge and she's kind of washed away of everything. And then she's rebirthed again. Yeah, like yeah, well, yeah. and then she that, looks back at the hell. I do like the look back at the helicopter and then revenge on the screen again. Like I really dig that ending. Right. Well, and going back to the pool thing is that as soon as Richard got back, I mean, how weak are these guys? I mean, because they're so dehydrated after just and she's been running around, she's been shot and everything. He dips barefoot, his head, by the way. She also barefoot has been the barefoot. entire time. Yeah. And he dips his head into the pool and it's it's just filthy from all the dust and everything. And he's acting like oh, I've been out there yeah. for days and I've had I've gone through so much. He crashes on the couch for like five minutes, it seems like, right? Like he's just like, oh. No, he sits there for a he little jumps bit. In the he, yeah, yeah, he jumps go, in the shower. Yeah, he goes. He calls the he calls the helicopter guy. Goes takes a shower and then he hears a noise. He's still <laughs> panting when he's on the phone with the yeah. helicopter guy. It's like, I feel like that would sound suspicious if you're like, uh, I have to get out of here right now. Can you come ASAP? Thanks, mom. Come pick <laughs> me up. Just I'm kill scared. someone, <laughs> mom. I raped somebody again. Can you come pick me up? Yeah, right. That's well. That's why I don't my mom's going to be so mad at me. That's why I don't think the helicopter guy was in on it because he makes up a lie about Stan and Dimitri. He's like, oh, yeah, I took him to the airport this morning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, like, I don't think he's like in on it, but he definitely seemed like buddy buddy with Richard when he showed yeah. up. It is what I, I mean, mean. He, the guy was the one who slid him the peyote, the helicopter yeah, pilot. I, mean, like, I would just hope that he would get there and really be on Jen's side as soon as he got there and not give her shit or something, you know, right. yeah. which I doubt but he would. But. Let's write some fanfic and write a sequel. <laughs> So I do love the way they set up that scene, though, when Richard gets back to the villa and nobody's there. And he thinks like, well, he knows that she's probably still out there, but he thinks probably like she'll die out there. You know what I mean? Uh, He hasn't heard from he hasn't heard from Stan. He doesn't know that Stan's dead. Right. At that point, like he doesn't know. He doesn't. I think he I think he suspects because he can't get him on the radio. And remember, he's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, Yeah, he pretty much knows because he he just kind of he's sitting out. He's just going to get out of there and leave it, leave it behind him and then let it sort itself out. Sort of deal. Um, And he takes his gun to the shower with him so that so he knows that he's on edge. But I don't know if, you know, waiting for a revenge crazed woman to to come find me at the only house in the in the middle of this desert i don't know if that's the time i would choose to take a shower um which obviously i think that was just a way that they got him to be naked so he could be naked during the chase scene but i think it's also for appearances too because he's like this man of power and money so he needs to get on the helicopter and look like he's clean and not been running through the desert looking for a woman to kill you know what i mean so he needs to come for appearance sake i totally did not just kill somebody Yeah, I'm totally not just been riding to the desert hunting somebody this whole time. Uh, but I do love like the way that scene plays out. It's like he doesn't finish his shower. He hears the noise. He wanders out there. We're like, yo, bro, you're naked. Okay. And then like <laughs> yo, the, bro, scene, the way the scene naked. plays out is like you think like she's going to be around the corner, but she's not. Right. So you like you start to drop your guard as a viewer, too. You're like, oh, she's not there yet. He's just hearing things, you know, so he wanders How- around. Sorry. No, go ahead. How did she turn that TV on? I don't know if she did. Because it was like it was next. The remote was next to him. 
but it flashes on with him like standing up you know like walking around the living room and then all of a sudden like the tv turns mm -hmm. on while he's turned around and then that's like he goes to pick up the remote to turn it off and that's when he sees jen standing like through the blue window you know yeah. like how did she turn that? I, I, how how did that TV turn on? I really what? don't know. I mean, that was that was mysterious. Like, I don't know if we're supposed to think that it just kind of like flipped on by itself. Like, honestly, my TV has done that once or twice. That like it'll just like turn off by itself. I don't know if it's ever turned on, but it has turned off by itself before. And I'm like, what, what, what? Maybe that could be like the sleep timer, I guess. Because the yeah. I, I know, know that some TVs they turn off after. So but yeah, long. I do love that, I and I love that that exchange that they have went through the glass it's like a like a mexican showdown uh you know like that was racist standoff <laughs> well that's what they, i don't know if that you're right i'm just it kidding might, i'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Like, that's He's what like... they call back in the day but <laughs> i'm just kidding uh it's like a standoff you know and i'm like she's there's a moment where he looks her up and down and you see the scar on her leg you see the scratch on her back you see all these wounds and what she's endured and where he's supposed, he like drinks it up where he's just like, oh, holy shit. Like, what the fuck is she doing here? Like, how is she still alive? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And she's just like you said, she doesn't speak for most of the film after the 27 minute mark, you said. So, yeah, yeah she's something, like, something so, like that. She's yeah. like just fucking determined at this mm -hmm. point. Like, there's not much to say, right? Like, she could have. Yeah, she could have taunted these guys as she killed them, but she doesn't like she just kills them and, and she's on her way to the next victim, which I kind of do like a little bit. Um, well, as you're as you're saying that, I'm oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. As you're saying that, it kind of made me realize because I know I was complaining about her not speaking, but actually that makes a lot of sense because I think one of the things that really kills all three of these men is their hubris how they keep talking mad shit to her like Dimitri's mm -hmm. like you thought you could kill me and then of course like <laughs> yeah. right before right before uh Jen kills Richard he says women always have to put up a fucking fight yeah and got that part when she just like jams her hand into the saran wrap wound mm -hmm. I was like oh um so yeah like the fact that she doesn't have that hubris like she just quietly gets her shit done I I like that a and lot she more. She doesn't now even that speak at the very end, right? Like the last minute, the last scene is just her turning around and giving this knowing look at mm -hmm. the camera, and then the movie end. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I do like the like. I just love that standoff. And there's a moment where she doesn't shoot him right away. She doesn't like. There's just that awkward moment between them, and I like that the director kind of lets it breathe for a moment. Mm -hmm. I kind of dig that. It. Like one of my favorite films that's actually a revenge film is also Kill Bill. And I knew that. you were gonna say that. I'm so happy yeah. that you said that. And there's moments Sorry, I got like excited. That in that film also. Um I feel like this movie is very similar in its like structure to Kill Bill. It's shorter. It is. But... And there there are Tarantino vibes to this film. There's a great mm -hmm. score, I thought. Um and like I said, I like the 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 book ending of the the title in the beginning and the end, I thought it was very Tarantino esque. I thought the initial shot, like I said with the aviators and the helicopter coming in. I thought that was very, it reminded me of Tarantino. Yeah. So did the, uh, when she was on the, on the four wheeler. Where it oh was yeah. Just yeah. That, or when the, he's on the bike and it's yeah, bathed in red light. Yeah. It's almost like the bride when she's on the motorcycle in mm -hmm. Japan. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The only, good, the only, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. The only way I would really kind of set this apart from Kill Bill in terms of like what it is, is I feel like the, the actual revenge scenes feel more tense and suspenseful. Um, and I think that's kind of what makes them play, makes it play more as a horror than an action mm -hmm. film. You know, I, 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 I think 
revenge is yeah. more horror and yeah. kill i mean it's still kind of an action film but like I, they're really not that different like you can't say that it has more gore than kill bill i mean like almost nothing has more gore <laughs> than kill bill I, um i was I mean, gonna say i have scene, a couple of friends what? who would argue that kill bill is a horror because i showed it to them and at the very end when she's fucking slicing motherfuckers up they were like, Logan, there's so much blood. No, like, there's a reason oh, yeah, that scene like, is in black and white is yeah. because there's so much blood. They couldn't get the away ratings. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and so, but I think a lot of it depends on like a lot of how you would categorize a film depends on like how it's intended to play and like how, what the tone is. And so like in Kill Bill, some of those scenes of extreme violence, like the house of seven, what is it called? The seven leaves or whatever, where she kills Oren Ishii and mm-hmm. all the crazy 88s. Like that's not played. It's almost played in like a cartoony way. And so it's, it's not as suspenseful as some of the scenes here, like her cat and mouse game with Richard in the end. Like to me, that's very tense has very yeah. suspenseful. And so that leans it, I think a little bit less like less action. I mean, it is action, but a little she, more into the like kind of thriller territory. Well, she's more yeah. real life. Jen is. And then Beatrix kiddo is a trained killer. So Spoilers, I mean, bro. again, yeah, it does play. Name, huh? We'll add the beep later. Beep. Oh, beep, kiddo. I remember watching that first film and I saw it several times in the theater and like they don't say her name and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Know, like, yeah, I, I just think so bewildered. Yeah, but it also freaked me out that Bill kept calling her kiddo, and I was like, "Why the fuck is he calling mm-hmm. her kiddo?" Weird He's daddy okay. vibes. And that yeah. movie itself is an homage to other a lot of stuff. revenge films. There are other revenge films that have come out in the seventies that are uh, I can't remember their names off of hand, but they're um, I know some of them. Um, and so, like, I feel like this film is definitely an homage to that as well, uh, and it's taken more seriously. Like, then Kill Bill is more of you know leans towards the kung fu and um, mm-hmm. spaghetti western vibes mm-hmm, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. that nature but this is sort of it stays more true to that but it has the french sort of feeling to it um mm-hmm. you know a, a different take on it i thought yeah i found this to be very in line with a lot of the the new french extremity films from over the years like martyrs and inside and um frontiers and what's the other uh high tension you know a, yeah. a lot they of don't stuff. stray away from any of the the gratuitous like gore they zoom in on it. They focus on it enough where it's like, yes, this is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. And then we even get like the Foley work of the, the, the fucked up like ASMR, you know, fucking like weird <laughs> yeah. noises, like just when he's chewing and the foot. But that chewing scene bothered me so chewing much. Scene is one of the grossest scenes in the movie. And it's not even <laughs> gore, right? I can look at that on these, like, all day long. Weird, like these Charleston shoes or whatever the fuck they are. <laughs> and it had a crunch to him, and you're just like, and it's in juxtaposition up. to like what's going on in the scene, right? Like, right. it's not just that he's eating; it's like you're eating at a time like this, bro. It's this like having going, popcorn at a movie. You're just it's like thing. going past like a fucking bus crash with like people dead in it, and you're just eating while you watch. Put a real bad it. taste in my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a literal well bad done. taste well done. for sure. So uh, if I may, I kind of wanted to circle back to something um, that we briefly discussed at the beginning where I was asking you guys, like, does this movie subvert the tropes of rape revenge films or does it, you know, stick to the formula? Because, I, again, I kept reading all these reviews and think pieces about, oh, this film, like, subverts the whole subgenre. And I'm just I'm not 
totally convinced of that. So there were a couple things that I feel like I could point out that are different from the typical rape revenge film. One being that usually in these kinds of movies, the the women who, you know, the protagonists, they're usually portrayed as like almost like saints, like just these innocent yeah. girls and something terrible happens to them. Jen, I feel like is not that. And I would even I would even go so far as to say she's a little shitty. Well, she's a mistress. She knows she's a mistress. Yeah, she knows the dude is married. And got like a sugar daddy sort of relationship with him. Yeah. And so I I feel, you know, it's my personal belief that like the person doing the cheating is responsible for the cheating, not the person who is being cheated with. Like the marriage is not that person's responsibility. But nonetheless, just overall, like if you're having an affair with somebody who's married, like knowingly, that's a little yeah. shitty. Like that's that relationship not... is definitely sexually charged. Like yeah, you're not you're not earning like great karma points for that, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's obviously not as responsible as Richard is, but still a little shitty. Um, so if that was the movie, you're absolutely right. I think it is different than any other. Uh rape revenge movie that we've seen in the past i spit on your grave uh last house on the left but i also it, it doesn't subvert anything different except being modern and maybe just the the character well i think that like maybe what's being said with that is that despite the fact that she's not a saint like that again does not make her culpable for what happens later yeah like that her slight shittiness mm-hmm. the only way i could think to say it and her victimization or her being victimized in this scenario like are not mutually exclusive like just right, because yeah. she's kind of a bad person doesn't mean that she deserves what she gets you know what i no. mean and so yeah, really. well, it doesn't but i mean sometimes people degree. think that you do and so i feel yeah. like that's kind of one thing that's being conveyed here with that is that like you don't have to be a saint to be a victim of an assault you know right. what i mean like you are still a victim of that regardless mm-hmm. of what happened before or who you are um and another subversion is something we already mentioned before which is that the violent the the sexual assault against her is not as graphic and prolonged as yeah. in a lot of other movies and so that more than anything i feel like might be subversive in that like yeah i feel like there's the this question in movies like this where it's like is this empowering or is this exploitive and i i don't fully have an answer for that for this movie or other rape revenge movies i don't know if both can be true at the same time i think you're i think they can i I think think basing your film off of of off of something as horrible as rape could be exploitative it is i mean it's rape Mm -hmm. right like it's a horrible thing to even base something off of. But mm-hmm. I think it also, the benefit of doing that is that it is empowering when you do get the revenge part, right? And that's mm-hmm. the, so I feel like they, I don't want to say that like empowerment of the revenge outweighs the the rape because rape is horrible. It's, it's there's no getting around that. Mm-hmm. But I do think like, and you can have revenge films without rape. You can have mm-hmm. revenge films for, you can get, there's many reasons to get revenge. Sometimes it's a child dying or something of that nature or loved one. Um, but rape is one of the most powerful motivators, obviously for if you're, if you're a woman, if, if the woman is the protagonist. Um, but I also I, think, I think that, it could be both. What were you going to say? Um, sorry. No, I think some, I know that some people who I've spoke, who I've talked to about like, you know, the, the, 
the subject of rape in a movie, they also, some women will say it's cathartic for them. Um, even like the rape in the movie happening for some of them, I think just kind of like, for some, I think it helps them process it. Um, mm -hmm. At least that's my understanding. Um, I, I, I can't really say that I fully relate to that, um, but kind of as Hydra was saying, I've always been on the side of like, um, it's really nice seeing them get got at the end. And it's yeah. my favorite kind of body horror is when any kind of sexual predator is getting absolutely mutilated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I think it's powerful. Um, there's a reason that these movies are spoken about, you know, in the breath that they are with, because they just, they linger like on your conscience, they linger on your emotions mm -hmm. and your memory of, you know, I, I, I've only seen, I spit on your grave, the remake. I've never seen the original. Oh, I've seen oh, the remake probably, once and the remake and I watch a lot of horror. There's only a couple of things that make me feel uncomfortable. Rape is one of them. Mm -hmm. um, I am glad that this film does sort of just insinuate it without showing it. Um, I think like it's just as powerful as showing it. We know what happens and the fact that like the way it's handled after like and the way that like the people that are there that know what's happening deal with it is just as powerful almost like yes, yeah, showing it would have been very powerful but mm. like you said Jacqueline it might have turned some people away entirely from this film from this I, film if they had shown the rape like oh, you know, oh, oh. yeah detail. so the yeah so what I was kind of saying about that is the the reason I feel like that might be that's maybe the more subversive element of the movie rather than the it. other thing was that so in some of these older ones from like the 70s and all I almost feel like um the the rape scenes can be way too graphic and, and i think that's what's maybe more exploitive is that it almost it's almost as though it's kind of intended to be titillating There's i obviously like don't feel titillated by it oh no like, yeah but but i think there are people who kind of get off on that and it's like sometimes the way those those kinds of scenes are shot it almost it's like it's almost played almost as just like oh it's just a rough sex scene or something but it's no, like no, it's no. almost played to be titillating and so the fact that it's not shown in graphic detail here i think makes it less exploitive um and but still emotionally powerful like i said before with the acting and the emotion on her face and her i think you use the word despair yeah yeah um, I, I i disagree sort of hydroberg because it's like yes showing it would have been more graphic more visceral just you would have been like I'm no, not, I'm not I, I for that. But, but yes. I, I mean, hearing it, I mean, just hearing her scream and the fact that Dimitri yes, went out there and turned up the TV to watch racing and then went for a dip in the pool. I mean, that that's heartbreaking. That that just makes your stomach. It's, it makes you sick to your stomach. Just you hear it and you're just like, you know what's going the on. The fact that someone and, turns a blind eye. Well, that and, and it's on. like like they do cut scenes of her pressing her hands against the uh, against the window. So. They are still kind of showing it, you know, yeah, of bit, what's right. going on, not just the screams, but, you know. And Jacqueline, to go <sighs> back to what you were saying, like, I spit on your grave. I haven't. So I, I don't know how bad is the, the, the original is pretty bad. It's bad. The remake has like a six minute rape scene. It's like it feels like forever. Yeah. The first one is bad. It too. goes it's, on and it's on. Bad. Last yeah, House bad. on the Left did the same exact Both. thing yeah. in 72. Yeah. And yeah. in 2006, they both like it, it was almost like a scene for scene remake of that scene. And why it's, that was the emphasis, because you know what's going on. We don't it's have a to double edged this. sword, because that's what we are here for sometimes is to see things or like I, I don't want to glorify the act. But like if there's a well-written film around it, 
and it's getting a, a message out there and it makes someone feel uncomfortable sure. that maybe, you know, people hear the word rape, but they don't think about what the act looks like, what it feels like. Mm-hmm. So if you watch a movie where you feel and you're in that person's shoes, even once and you realize what it feels like, then you can understand at least like what someone who survived this feels like to deal with. This is not a thing that just goes away. You don't just get raped and it's like, oh, well, I just forget about it. Like, well, thank God that's forever. <laughs> it's traumatic. Yeah. This I'll is just go on with my day. Do, do, do. This is imprinted on who you are forever. You know, mm-hmm. I've dealt with loss and I can only imagine what something like this is like, you know, and if if the person who did it to you is still out there, and out and hasn't been prosecuted or in this movie hasn't been killed. You know what I mean? Like I could just imagine like the inspiration to want to get revenge. I could just, I don't know. I think it's a powerful motivator for a film and a character, a protagonist. I mean, does she really want to get revenge? She just wants to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> I, um, not, oh. until, not until she's pushed off the cliff. I understand that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She but, really yeah. Go, She really does hunt them. Um, now, I think that you could reasonably ask the question, well, could she safely get out of there in any possible way there if she would, didn't kill them all? No, because so, they, no, they gaslit her. They hold all the keys. Yeah, Richard gaslit her and said, oh, yeah, I just called I called the dude. Right. He's on his way. He'll be here in a half hour. She actually goes, okay. And she was getting ready to come back, and then Richard just pushes her off the cliff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the only way she was going to survive is kill them. I'm glad you brought, brought that up, too, because like I had at the – very end i wanted to talk about this at least after the movie we talked about the review was just like how do you guys feel about this subgenre of films like rape revenge films like they don't come out often and that's for good reason i feel like because they are a little distasteful but i feel like there's the ones that come out that do it well what were you gonna say uh, no i was gonna say um because as, as y'all were talking about like kind of um before we kind of got into like more movie stuff whenever y'all were talking about um you know like I guess just when it, anyway, um, I was thinking that like watching this movie, cause this movie came out post me too, cause me too was like 2015 era. And so I think that like, also that's one reason why I really like that. She's not portrayed as like the saint that most, you know, final girls in these like rape revenge movies are portrayed as because like, as we've already discussed, like just because you're sexy doesn't mean that you deserve for anything like this to happen to you just mm-hmm. because you dress a certain way, just because you, dance with people on the balcony or not the balcony on like the deck at night doesn't mean that you deserve anything even like sexually yeah. um and so i think that it's i do think that it's nice I, I i personally i really like this movie um maybe even compared to like any other rape revenge that i may have seen because i really feel like they they want it to come from like an empowering which i know like rape revenge obviously is like an empowering you know like concept um but I just think that it was done better, like I said, post Me Too, because I think that people are finally starting to take women and like any kind of claims of sexual assault more seriously. Or like in the past, it used to kind of be like either, you know, kind of like, oh, well, I like that guy. I don't want to believe that about him or something like that. You know what I mean? Now it's kind of like, oh, my God, fuck that guy. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if that makes sense. I kind of. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> especially in our modern eyes nowadays with uh you know how many celebrities have a retreat like this that they may have taken a young lady to and you know slipped her a roofie or done something that's very questionable or just mm-hmm. rapist you know raped her well, yeah and, and who knows yeah. like and that movement how many hollywood parties have happened where things like this have happened yeah and the, the me too movement brought out 
the biggest piece of shit, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, about what he was doing. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I mean, just in real thing. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so. you're right. Epstein also. Yeah. Who did you say, Heidelberg? I thought he was going to say Weinstein. Weinstein. I thought so too. Oh, yeah. Or, or Cosby. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, so Logan, I, I agree with you. I think these movies can serve as. Well, so I think every. I think specifically for women, I think, especially women who have survived sexual assault, I think it can, you know, they can have different experiences with it. I think for some women, it can be really cathartic. And for some women, I think it can be really traumatizing and they yeah. want to, they should steer yeah. clear of films like this. I think it's just really, it depends on the woman. Um, but I can see the case for both, you know? Uh, but I, I do think it is, it can serve as like almost a fantasy to indulge in. Like yeah. whether you've been fair. sexually assaulted or um, a victim of like just domestic abuse or any kind of violence or or oppression, I feel like it can serve as a fantasy of what it feels like to get that satisfaction of revenge. And to be honest with you, so you asked like, oh, well, what do you guys think about these movies? To me, I actually find them really enjoyable and satisfying. I don't so do love I. I don't love a really prolonged graphic rape scene, but I do find the revenge element element of it really, really satisfying and fun to watch. But at the same time, I have some like moral qualms about that with myself. Like it brings out an ugly side of me to feel like, yeah, kill him. Like, ooh, that's not like that's that's it's a little unsavory, you know, of a, of a side of a human being to, to bring out. Now it's safe. It's being safely done within the context of a film experience. Um, But I, I do feel like despite the fact that I really enjoy them, I admit to having a little bit of like a moral quandary about it within myself. So for whatever that's worth. That's perfectly fair. And just to touch on your, like, I think you're right. Like I, I do enjoy these films as well. Uh, not as frequently, obviously. That I, I, you know, ha- horror is great because we have so many subgenres. That there's so many ways to tell a story in horror, and this is just one of those ways, mm-hmm. those avenues, right? You True. could tell them in a sci-fi way or whatever, zombies, you know, monsters. This is dealing with real life monsters, right? Rapists, men um, that just prey on innocent women, and I just think it's just so powerful. Um, like one of these stories when they're told right. Um, and even as a man, for me, when I see it, it, it just it's it's one of the most horrific things I'll ever watch. You know, like you said, John, even just the insinuation of rape made you feel fucking icky. Right. It made you feel horrible. Yeah. And and they didn't even really show the, the real graphic stuff. And we've seen the graphic stuff in other movies. Um, and it's one of those few things that makes me really feel uncomfortable. It's not something I chase, though. You know, yeah. I'm not a weirdo. Like, I don't know, maybe there are some people out there that do that, you know, and that's like, those are the kind of films that then you got to start questioning who you are morally and, and, you know, what makes you who you are. But I just think for me, as someone who enjoys, I enjoy horror and I enjoy the entire encompassing like body of what horror is. You know, I don't, there's some people that only like certain types of horror. I like it all. I like to like view it all and then just kind of piece it out on like what I enjoy the most. And I definitely don't watch rape revenge films like a ton of times and I may not watch this film a lot, but I do feel like this is one of those films that stands out to me that does it well. And it does it in a stylistic modern way with a great protagonist. And uh, I don't feel like it shies away too much from the things that make you feel uncomfortable. 
it gives you just enough. I'm in total agreement. I, I, but this is not my bag. This is not my type of movie. So I do not seek this movie out uh, or not this movie in particular, but rape revenge movies in particular. I, I try to avoid them to be all honest. Yeah. I'll watch them though, because I'm, I'm an adult human being. I'm of good mind and body. So I know this is a movie that doesn't really happen. Well, it's not really happening in the movie. It's okay. it's under it's under but safety it guidelines, and the actors and actresses are, are are on the same page when it comes comes to this. But to me, it's I, I've always been really disgusted by that because I know it's real. I can watch a ghost movie. I'm a skeptic. I'm not going to see a ghost, but <laughs> I, I know that there are women, and you know all these things that came out in the. Uh, in the news, you're just sitting there going like, "My God, it happened even more than you Everybody. think," you know. And Dude, even a scene like Deliverance, where there it's not a it's not a female getting raped. It's not, still- understood. No, no, no. It's it's all the same. But we're talking yes. about a rape revenge movie. Of, Absolutely. I'm just saying. Right it's now. still just an But yeah, you're you're like, right. Deliverance is the same thing. You yeah. know, men are They're very just uncomfortable tr- with that movie. <laughs> wonder why <laughs> i'm uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable with them actually. all so i mean it's just like like for me i no, i don't seek them out i will watch them i mean we've got a great podcast here and we got our friend here logan that has a great podcast so i mean hey i mean i love horror i i know what i'm getting myself into when i watch a movie like that i get it john like a lot of these movies they're horrific to outside people that are outside of the genre to us they're comfort food sometimes um but this is one of those films that isn't necessarily as comfortable this kind of subgenre is not something you put on to enjoy your night you're putting it on to have an experience or like tonight to critique it or you know enjoy it and then share it with friends on how it makes you feel I, it's not a film like last house on the left that's a tough watch man the original <laughs> and the remake oh yeah it's both of tough. them there's tough Dude. there's tough shit in that film to watch man i mean horror is supposed to make you uncomfortable right yeah <laughs> yeah it is yeah 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 <laughs> well, and i think and i think as we, we all have older, our, i think we all have our buttons you know yeah. we do and yeah. as we grow older we get jaded less and less things scare us necessarily right like we're not as right. scared right but there's still some subject matter that just affects us mm-hmm. you know yeah. uh, one of our our first review ever on iTunes is raw. And that was a film that stuck with me just because of how visceral it made me feel. That's what another thing. Cannibalism is a thing that just bothers me on, on, a, on a level that I'm that that comfortable with. I'm just sort of like, this is not natural. I like, it just bothers me. Um, this is not natural. Yeah. And so like those kind of films always stick with me. I don't necessarily think that that makes the film a better film than say Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's always a film that I will remember for that feeling that it gave me. Sure. And this film is, like I said, when I said why I picked this film, this film has stuck with me since the first, I've only seen it once until this night, uh, uh, you know, this viewing and it's Mm -hmm. stuck with me since. I, yeah, I think, I think it'll stick with me too, for sure. Uh, On that note, we're, we're running a little long on time. You guys ready to go ahead and give your reviews? Let's do her. All right. Heidelberg. All right. So some pros for this film. Uh, I think there's some fantastic acting in this one. Uh, 
I think all the actors, the all the characters seem legit. Like the shitty ones just are they're believably shitty. And Jen, our heroine, just she's just badass. Matilda Lutz, um, her portrayal of Jen is just awesome, in my opinion. Ah, we got a cat. That's my Milo. cat. Sorry to distract. Uh, I just say hi. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, I always hear about your cats, and I, you know, I mean your pets, and I've I've seen them in pictures, but never on the on the Zoom. So that's dope. IRL. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think Jen's character is just really great. I think the actress Matilda Lutz just plays it really excellently. Um, even though like there's not as much dialogue at the end, there's still physicality. There's still confidence in her her movement and the way she handles the weapon and the way she handles herself. And she just looks it. I believe that over time through what she's gone through, she's just become this fucking like Terminator. Like she's there to take out these fucking dudes. And it just like, it's believable to me. Um, even though I like, you could be like, Oh, well, how'd she learn how to do like, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. Like she just, she's just capable. And that's all that matters to me. Um, it works for the scenes and that's, I take myself out of the rest of it. The cinematography, I think, and this one shines really well. I think it's really good. Um, most of it's during the day, and it just looks gorgeous. Like the landscape, it's it's a very landscape too, because around the villa is sort of like farmland a little bit. Like we see some like it looks like maybe like a vineyard type area or something like that. And then like it's just desert. So I, I also have a I'm at the same time the first time I saw this film, I was like, where does this place take place? Like where is this exactly? Is there are there areas of France that look like this? Like I don't even know. Um, I just think the like, the final scene in the house is just like it's a bloody mess and it's so memorable. Um, it's one of the bloodiest scenes I've ever seen in a movie, like recently. Uh, the use of color and lighting are excellent, also. Uh, like you said, the the tones of there's like a neon hue to things. Um, the pink that's replayed several times, the blues. There's the green. Um, we get yellow with the credits. Uh. And it's just like, I just dig it. There's like this Miami, L.A. sort of vibe with the coloring uh, mixed in with this French uh, outback or whatever it is. I I don't know. It's an interesting mix of color and setting. Uh, the cat and mouse of it all, I just love. I thought it's all well done. You know, they're, they're chasing her. Uh, it's a short chase. We think it's, a, you know, oh, they got her. Maybe they'll let her go. And then, no, Richard fucking dupes her and pushes her over the edge. But then the film flips at that point, right? Um, Jen just becomes the aggressor at that point, and I kind of love that. Jen's act of revenge on these creeps is just so satisfying for me. Uh, like we spoke on already, rape revenge films or just revenge films in general, they can be a tough watch. Um, but they can also be very satisfying to watch, very empowering. Um, and not just for women, but I'm glad that they really do speak to women. Um, because this is a woman, this is... This is the this is the trials and tribulations of a woman in this situation. And um, I don't know the fact that like I'm a man and I get something out of it makes me happy. But the fact that women like you guys can still enjoy this film and we could speak at it at length about like it gives you so many talking points to talk about. I, I just really I do appreciate that. A lot of people would just push these kind of films to the wayside and be like, oh, it's gross. And you, I, I get it. Like, maybe it's not for you. But at the same time, there is something there to speak on. Uh, like, seeing our heroine rise above and exact her revenge is just cathartic. Um, and just seeing, like, the way she adapts to her situation, I thought it was just, like, great in this film. Um, the score 
is really good too. I just really like that there's needle drops and there's like just intense music. Every time there was a tense scene, like there was music to accompany it in a good in a good way. That didn't take me out. I didn't notice anything. I didn't notice I wasn't taken out of the scene where I noticed music over the scene or anything. Like I was just in I was in the moment. And it all worked out great. Uh, and it's just great gore. I thought for the majority of it, like the gore just works. It's over. It's overdone, but in a good way. Like it's it, it knows that it's doing it over. It's overdone. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of blood in this film. There's more blood mm-hmm. than a person probably has in their body coming out of people's bodies. But it's it fucking works for this film. Um, some cons. Dimitri's face. It when he dies, it does look a little rubbery when she pulls this the the knife out of it. It's a minor gripe. There's a couple issues I have with realism. Also, like John said, that take me out of it a little bit. But not enough to really spoil it for me. There's also some consistency or continuity issues with Jen becoming a brunette mid film. <laughs> like, I know she's got blood in her hair, but like she literally, if you look at her hair, it looks like she just dyed it like brown. Uh, it's almost like there was a different actress that played her at the end. Maybe that's why she didn't talk. I was like, almost for a moment, I was like, was there a different person? It was. She does look wildly different from the He beginning. does, right? Because well, of her. But her hair. But you can see all... like mud and stuff cake yeah, at her hairline. And the blood like and around so her it's like, and stuff. I think it's just like totally cake. Plus, into her I hair. take it like she was upside down a little bit on the tree and all that blood was rushing the at fire. her. Fire. And then oh, the yeah, fire. Too. And then the, the just the mud and everything. Like, I get it. Um, but I do think they almost like dyed her hair brown just to suit the scene better instead of dirtying it all the time it, justice for blondes it's a minor <laughs> great like i'm a brunette guy so it doesn't bother me. <laughs> but that's fine minor gripe with that said so with that said i'm gonna give uh uh Cor- forgets forgets revenge from 2017 i'm gonna give it eight out of ten star-shaped earrings mm. yeah i like that okay Eight out of ten star-shaped earrings from Hydra Berg. Logan, what do you have to say about Revenge? Um, I I really do like this this movie quite a bit. I um, <laughs> as I was about to hop onto the Zoom, I was like, shit, I gotta pick a number for this. Um, <laughs> and I. See, with this movie, it, in my in my heart of hearts, I, this is not my my score. I, I want to give it a ten out of ten because I feel like the the vindication that I feel whenever she stabs Dimitri in the eye, like that was something that I don't think I'm ever going to experience again. The first time I watched this movie, I was like loving all of it because I usually would turn away for body horror, but so like that's just this movie just has a very special place in my heart. Um, also, like, as we've discussed, like, I think especially in comparison to rape revenge movies, while I can't speak to it being, you know, separate from the rest, I think seeing a rape revenge movie in a post Me Too world is, is like, super refreshing. I really like that, you know, Jen is not your, like, girl next door who saved herself from marriage or whatever, you know, bullshit. Um, so I really like that aspect of it. I think the score is incredible. I love the costuming and... I really liked all the symbolism that either is or isn't there. I, I haven't looked into the trivia on this. And so like, I think it's fun to watch this movie and try to put together what each individual color or each individual like little thing could be. Um, so with that being said, I'm actually also going to give this eight out of 10 pink star shaped earrings. All right. Eight nice. out of 10 from Logan. 
All right. I think you're right, though. That I think there is more symbolism in this film, maybe than than we think. Um, we've touched on it, but I, I didn't do any mm. compare. I didn't do any YouTube video searches or anything about it. I, well, I think you hit the major ones. <laughs> like there was some religious imagery, I think. Well, and we didn't even talk about the the like pop art version of the Virgin Mary on um yeah on Richard's wall, which to me I, is I so like ironic in his the like that he would have that it, yeah. on his wall. First of all, I feel like it's a little bit of like a bastardization of that, you know, icon of that like religious icon, which already to me, I don't know, maybe not, like, but one could view that as being slightly disrespectful. Some might just view it as art, but yeah, it's it, it raises questions, I think. But then, of course, the like extreme irony is like, you know, it's it's supposed to be like a symbol of like reverence for, the, you know, the sanctity of the of the female, right? Yeah. Um, and you also can't forget the bush. The, and, yeah. the boobs, the boob thing right above his TV. They're not boobs, but it's two circles, like the rectangular. Yeah photo right above his tv it's just two circles and i immediately was like is that like a abstract boobs <laughs> like art thing that he has hanging above Maybe, his TV? Yeah, right. like it's i'm nice. not against it but i was yeah. kind of just like those are be. boobs <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah but hydroberg i feel like you hit on you know the i think the phoenix is the main one in my opinion yeah. but all right so eight out of ten from you guys now logan what is your rating of cronenberg's the fly go I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, <laughs> ten out of ten cheeseburgers. <laughs> cheeseburger. We we text watched. We text watched. Texted watched. How do you say that? We text watched that together a few weeks. We live watched it. And, oh, nice. Yeah, chatted. Yeah. I, so I didn't. I didn't watch the movie, you guys, but I kept an eye on the chat because I was doing something else that she night. She was and I loved. Out. Yeah, I loved your reaction to the movie, and I loved. I loved just your idea of like what you thought of the movie for the first time. Like you loved it, but at the same time, you're like, I don't know if I want to watch it again, but at the same time, like you loved everything that it said and how it made you feel. You loved the characters and the, it is a romance film. Like you're right. Like it's a romantic film in a horrific setting with horrific things happening. Just in time for Valentine's Day. Um, I will say uh, I think it's a 10 out of 10 it, it <laughs> devastated me but I, I, I can't not give it 10 out of 10 Yay! <laughs> 10 out of 10 uh, fly time machine infused Jeff Goldblum's <laughs> right <laughs> we got a bonus review out of this episode guys nice John Yo. what is your review of Reve Revenge from 2017 let's see I made it perfectly clear I'll go really fast because I know we're running late um uh, yeah, these movies, not not in my wheelhouse, but uh, I am glad I watched it again and got to see a little more to it. Um, I enjoyed the acting. I mean, everything that you guys said, the score was fantastic. The color palettes, the the aesthetic. I mean, it just felt like maybe it was a cold desert and then got hot because I, I love the way they dissolved the moon to the sun to the moon to the sun, which was really, really cool to me. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I have such a bad reaction to sexual assault. I, I it's, it, it really bothers me, but the satisfaction of the revenge made up for everything. There were a lot of things in there that this is not very realistic, but it didn't bother me. I, I was like, man, it's, do I want to watch this movie again? No. Is it a good movie? Absolutely it is. So I'm going to give it a 
7.5 out of 10 uh, pink star-shaped earrings. All right. 7.5 out of 10 from John. All right. Very nice. Thanks. Uh, so I, I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, there was something about it that was just so like hyper engaging for me, even when there are long stretches where nothing's, there's no dialogue, nothing's being said. People are kind of just like waiting, like kind of lying in wait for each other. And they're, you know, in a cat and mouse game, there's just some waiting that goes on, even in moments that I think are like relatively slow paced compared to some of the more actiony parts i still was riveted through the whole thing just like waiting to see what would happen um and i think i would i would probably attribute that mostly to the acting performances um i think you know all of the characters portrayed their roles masterfully i really do I would like to think that the three actors who play those guys, I, I want to like just tell myself that they're probably nice guys in real <laughs> life. So I'm just going to believe that because I want to believe that this was just like super great acting on their part and that they're just like really chill guys. Um, I'm sure they wouldn't yeah. have kept their jobs if they were pieces of shit. <laughs> what, Logan? I said, I'm sure they wouldn't have kept their jobs if they were pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll assume that they're cool. Um, but yeah, so to me, that's like their acting performances really sell the whole thing. And Hyderberg, I think you were talking about kind of this mix of like these candy colored hues sprinkled in against this sort of barren landscape, which in its own way is very beautiful, but it is a desert. And so there's that, like that contrast between the like kind of monotone or like monochrome, if you will, um, in the, in the landscape, but then you have these candy colored hues of like, her earrings and the the um like the font of the title cards and there's these blues and greens and stuff kind of sprinkled throughout i mean maybe i'm reaching but i do feel like maybe that's kind of a like a reflection of that duality we were talking about where like you could be like this strong badass warrior basically but you're still like you still have that like that like femininity or whatever like one does not preclude the other um I do kind of wonder, like, you know, I've I've kind of been questioning this the whole time. Like, is this really that different from other sort of rape revenge films in the canon? If so, how different is it? Is it a feminist film? Is it exploitive? I read some reviews where people were upset that, like, um, she kind of trades in that, like, sex bomb persona for almost like this scantily clad like video game character almost you know like that it's like trading one fantasy figure for another like yeah she's strong and badass but she's like running around with almost nothing on and that we still get these intense close-ups of her body even when she's in like warrior mode so it's like is that still kind of exploiting her physicality or like is the movie still inviting the male gaze i don't know but you could also argue that she's scantily clad just so you can see her wounds that she sustains yeah. all over her body. Or like, how vulnerable she is, just like with Richard being naked. She's yeah. barefoot, she's half-dressed. So, you know, yeah. you can make those arguments. But nonetheless, I happen to fall on the side of finding these movies empowering, specifically in this case because mm -hmm. of what we've mentioned a lot in that um, the, the rape scene itself is not played as, like, titillating. And so... I feel like that does elevate it. I do feel like it's um it's a it's a very it's like somehow very polished 
And it's like production and gritty at the same time. And I think that's mainly like the dirtiness of the landscape, but like the film quality itself and like the colors and the, the like the way the actors look on screen, that to me feels very polished. And so it's like, it's kind of a nice blend. I think she does have a unique feel. Melange, if you will. A melange, yes. So um, I do feel like this filmmaker has a, a a particular feel and kind of a little pastiche that's that's unique. Um, so I I dig it. I really dig it. I really enjoyed this movie. I will absolutely watch it again. I will absolutely recommend it to people to anyone who I feel like would be okay with watching a movie like this. Um, so yeah, I feel like this is this is going high on my list in terms of movies I've seen in the past year. I'm really glad you picked it, Hyderberg. I regret that it's taken me so long to see it. I wish I had watched it years ago. So I'm going to come in at a... Oh, one last thing I wanted to say, just to keep you in suspense. Um, Logan, I think you mentioned the kind of over-the-top nature of it. And I think we've all kind of said, oh, this isn't so believable, like that she would figure this out so fast and like... I don't think anybody really has that much blood in their whole body. I kind of take it as like intentionally over the top. And like, yeah. I think it's okay that the blood is so extreme. I think it's okay that she is literally impaled through in her entire torso, but is running around completely upright and not even limping, you know, by the end of the movie. Like, I'm okay with that. Like, I feel like it's in a way it's almost like a throwback to like kind of like the action films of the 80s like it's very Terminator like she's just like it's it's a little Linda Hamilton I think um speaking of Children of the Corn but (laughs) you know the 80s in particular I feel like there's this era of action movies where people just did kind of superhuman things and like things that you would never really survive but here I feel like it's intentional and that kind of goes hand in hand with the over the top gore and the over the top squelching and squirting of the blood sounds and the this and then that I think it's all done for like in intentionally exaggerated way. And I'm fine with that. So even though I don't think this would really happen exactly like this, and that might not really be how it goes in real life, or she might not really survive that. That's fine. I just, I accept it. I'm okay with it. Maybe not everybody would, but I like it. Um, I embrace that. So I'm going to come in at a nine out of 10 star shaped earrings. Wow. Nice. Yeah, I really yeah, liked it. So um, there's not much trivia. trivia. You guys want to hear just a little bit? There's not a ton. Give me I think, <laughs> like we've mentioned, uh, these movies might not be the easiest to digest, but I do think that this is one of the easiest of of the rape rev- revenge kind of subgenre of films to watch. Um, and like you said, then recommend to people to watch, mm-hmm. you know? There, mm-hmm. Like you said, there might be things that trigger people, but overall, I think it's a stylistic, really well-made film. It's shot really well. It's it's a modern take. Like you said, it's got clean imagery, but also dirty. It's got neon. It's got a lot of things that I think are worth um, checking out. So I do. I do like yeah. the way your review went. You stuttered a little bit. You had a little breakup on your on your Internet. Oh, oh I didn't Sorry. hear that. You didn't hear it? Maybe I maybe it was just on my side. Hopefully. Oh, I hope so. I hate when that yeah. happens. It was just a tiny bit. Okay. All right. Well, I, I hope it was just the ones. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'll just run through a little bit of trivia. Um, so although Coralie, I do not know how to say her name, Fargiat. I don't know. Well, Fargiat uh, is how it translates said it when I translated it. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. With the, 
So although she was aware of the rape and revenge films genre, she did not set out to make a film of that type and had never seen I Spit on Your Grave, which Mm. surprises me. She said, I wanted to take this story out of the genre of horror. I didn't want Jen to be screaming and suffering for the whole movie trying to survive. I wanted her to go somewhere else and transform into a cool and badass character. One of her inspirations was Steven Spielberg's film Duel. um, Nice. Yeah, I could see that. Because it manages to generate tension using so few elements, a car, a truck, and that's it. And not dialogue, right? Yeah, not a lot of dialogue. Um, like I said, this is filmed in... take, actually. Yeah, I thought so, too. One and that I, I wouldn't see that it... unless you, you just mentioned it now. I can see it now. Exactly. When I read that, I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, like I said, filmed in Morocco, specifically chosen for its nondescript, isolated experience. Um, I love the idea. She said, I love the idea of not being able to recognize exactly where this desert is. Um, and actually think, at that look, sorry, go ahead. I think the ambiguity, I'm, I'm sorry. I think the ambiguity about the setting and about like just their whole, like all their circumstances helps with the suspension of disbelief because like, they're not even saying like the real name of a place that you can point to on a map. So it almost feels like this place couldn't even be real. So that kind of mm-hmm. helps with like, yeah. the stuff. it's easier to explain away in my, in my opinion. And it sorry. adds to the isolationism, like as an audience member, cause we're like, I don't know where the fuck they are. I don't know. Where, <laughs> well, I don't know where your nearest location to a town is. Like, I don't. I have no idea. Like, I couldn't even think of where you are on the map right now. Yeah, I mean, somewhere obviously they have to be helicoptered into. Yeah. So, right? yeah. well, nuts. there's an airport somewhere nearby. Yeah, you can see mentions dropping them <laughs> off at the airport, but they take a helicopter to this location. Hmm. Hmm. Um. This film features so much blood that, according to director, the director, the prop team would often run out of fake blood. That's a lot of blood. So they had to use real blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the director also mentions Wild at Heart, Drive, Under the Skin, and the films of David Cronenberg as references for the film in her pitch to potential financiers. Uh, I would explain some of the body horror that you mentioned, Logan. Mm-hmm. That's about it. That's about it. Not a ton on that one, but I thought it's some interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I, when I stuff. watched the DVD today, because I bought this film, um, it's just a straight like a Blu-ray DVD. Picture. What? I'm uh, not a DVD. I'm sorry. You it's did a, not a buy Blu-ray. a 4K Blu-ray. It's a Blu-ray. Technically, a Blu-ray is still like a DVD, I believe, but um, it's a, <laughs> like the actual the format. But um, yeah. Social so media I, guy. Over I went to go look for. Uh, it's physical media, John. That's, That's what I meant. Yeah. See, yeah. I don't even buy them. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I went. Well, I want to buy all the films that we cover. They mean something to me. So. Oh, I'm and sorry. And that's uh emotional corner. <laughs> yeah. Emotional uh, corner. No, but um, I I was looking for special features because I wanted to dig into them so badly because I did want to see Stan and Dimitri and Richard like not as their at their roles like i wanted to see them on set i wanted to see jen speak more about her character like uh, matilda but there was none of that unfortunately mm. so hopefully they do come up with like a better version of of that that would be nice yeah all right well folks i think that was a great discussion logan a lot of fun thank you so 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 much for being on that was this was great yeah it was awesome yeah. thank you so much for having me on i'm i'm very happy i got to be here for this discussion it was it was quite fun. <laughs> you are one of our very, very favorite women in horror. So thanks for being uh, in here with me, Logan. 
Yes. No, happy to, I know, finally happy to be on a podcast with other women. Uh, we had <laughs> our first female guest finally. So <laughs> I wasn't. I heard, I heard. I don't want to spoil it, but I heard. <laughs> well, and Heidelberg and John, I think yeah. you've got some. Well, I, Heidelberg, I think you talked about your guest appearances last week, right? Uh, I mean, have... yeah, I got something coming right up. But... <laughs> so I was on Anna's podcast, Anna and Hannah's podcast, uh, Cinema Slab. Well, I talked about it last week. We we talked about episode one through three of The Last of Us. John, you were on Anna's recently. I was uh, horror more with Anya Gore. She was um, she's been on a two month hiatus. Uh, we talked about the new movie from last year, Lamb. <laughs> yeah, um, she's, been on, she's been on a hiatus from podcasting, not from right, right. She's she, she, yeah, she's putting out uh, picture content and, and video yeah. content. She's she's just taking a break from the. I'm uh, waiting podcasting. for episode two of Holly. Huh. I'm waiting for episode two of Holly. Oh, yeah, yeah. We actually talked about that, too. I guess Good, still I'm in the planning and I, phases. And it's whatever expensive. we got to do to help that thing out so they make episode two. Like, I really want it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, so you've got that episode with Anya coming up about Lamb. That should yeah. be an interesting yeah. convo. I, I really need to hear that. <laughs> it's interesting, for sure. So that's coming out later this Bad. week, yeah? What? <laughs> that was just bad. That was not bad. <laughs> so that's coming out later this week, right? Y- yes, ma'am. Excellent. All right. And Logan, do you want to talk one more time about Ghoulish University, where people can find you? Yeah. Um, right now, you can really only find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, I'll work on getting us everywhere else one of these days. <laughs> um, but you can find us on Instagram at Ghoulish University. We're on Twitter at Ghoulish Uni. Um, and I mean, if you ever want to email me, uh, we've got ghoulishuniversity at gmail.com. Um, I also post if, I mean, if anyone ever, yeah, anyway. Um, so long story short, I'm not really, uh, active on those socials, but you can find us there. <laughs> I'll post about our episodes once every couple of months. Um, but yeah, we talk about tales from the crypt and we have a good time doing it. Nice. It's, it's great. really good. Go check it out. Yeah. Thanks you yeah. guys. I really appreciate that. It's a great idea for a podcast, too, man. It really is. is. That'll be a really fun way, really fun thing for somebody who's just getting into it Mm -hmm. to like follow along. Um, I I did that with The Office when like The Office ladies started their podcast. Like I'd already seen The Office many, many times, but it was fun to go back to the beginning and like listen to every episode. So that's a fun thing to have a companion podcast for every episode. It's always fun to hear somebody's opinion on something that you've listened to or watched. For sure. Yeah, they're, um, that's what our friend G-Baby does, because I think he was watching all the Tales from the Crypt, you know, as they were coming out and stuff, and now he's following along with us, and he even guests on with us, so, um, yeah, no, it's really fun, and uh, there are some people who hopped on and are watching for the first time, like like myself, so it's it's been really fun, it's a cool show. That's the only reason I've fallen behind on your show, is because I, ha- I have the DVD, or a Blu-ray of um, Tales from the Crypt, and I haven't watched all the episodes yet, so I want to watch along as I listen to every episode because you know it's just like you're speaking specifically on that one episode so i kind of want it to be fresh on my mind um and it's been a really long time since i've seen the show but like i think i speak for most people in horror that like that show has stuck with most of us for a long time as like blocks of what made us fans of the genre yeah i think it's awesome you still have the dvd of those things man yeah, uh, well, I bought out. a Blu-ray. It was it was actually at a Comic Con, and the guy had it. Self admittedly, it's 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 bootleg, but I I did I did help somebody out. You know, he's a, he's a guy who puts these things together, and it, 
he he ripped them and like updated them onto Blu-ray HD quality from oh, cool. the original DVDs. Nice. And so like because because HBO had never put them out yet on higher quality discs um, for some reason. There's like a it's like a licensing issue for some reason mm. with Tales from the Crypt. It's, they're not even I on like HBO on happens. demand for some reason. What? They're part of, yeah, they're part of HBO. Yeah. So it's a weird thing. The first day that we were going to go watch the show, I was on HBO Max looking for it. Um, well, famously, I was looking for Creep Show because I was like, <laughs> "Yes, you were." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then my hilarious. friends were like, "It's Tales from the Crypt, Logan, um, pulled together." <laughs> and uh, but so yeah, it um, it's not on HBO Max, which I think is kind of crazy. Um, and ridiculous. I do want to invest. And uh, I do want to invest in maybe I'll ask Hydra to put me out to his guy. I love supporting small business. I honestly <laughs> was just thinking about that. Uh, so I think I might still have his info in the DVD case. Um, yeah, he's a he's a, like a small boutique guy who goes to shows and puts his stuff out. I also bought all the X-Men animated um, cartoons on like Blu-ray there. I bought both those discs at the same time because they spoke to my childhood. <laughs> cool. Uh, but, cool. you know, quick shout out to ghoulish university and logan naderade and also thon uh naderade nader nate two nate two um, the nating nate two uh nate the nating um you the guys, funniest that's the funniest handle ever yeah I, we never talked about it on the show but you guys um you guys got joe bob to do a cameo for the 400th episode of straight chilling and you included us in it um you gave us mm. a chance to to help you out with it and i really appreciate that um that was a, it was such an awesome fucking idea. I could never take credit for the idea. Uh, I am, you guys, you guys reached out to us, and that was awesome. Was it Thon who reached out to you guys? Yeah, he did. Who, he reached out to he talked to Jacqueline, and Jacqueline referred him to me, and and then yeah, we talked about it on DMs, and it was all his thing, really. Um, yeah, I just helped him out a little bit with like the wording of like what we were gonna say or whatever, but and then I chipped in a little bit because. You know, it was just a cool, it was a great idea, man. It was really cool. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know what it was until suddenly Thon sent us like the, the file. And I was like, Holy it's so shit. cool. Joe Bob just was... said my podcast name. <laughs> like my jaw was on the floor for that. So mm -hmm. exactly. To hear, to hear Joe Bob say our name, even though yeah. it was about straight chilling, just to hear the little bit of like he said our name too. I was like, oh my God, that's so crazy. That yeah. <laughs> like he just like, he's such a professional. Mm -hmm. he's, but he's, also, uh, like, he's the best the way that the straight chilling crew also received it like whenever bob sent all of us that message afterwards that was like that that's what it was for like they it they were they, like really happy that that we you know as, as two teams did that and so that was that was honestly like the best part about that whole thing but still just watching joe bob like talk about our little community was like, holy shit. And yeah. he was have me on for episode 800. I was yeah. like, yeah. I was like, hell yeah, you guys better keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they better hold them to that. Um, because without them, there's no us, right? Like, yeah, we'd be doing, we would have never met each life, other. But without them, we would have never doing met. right now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Let alone have these friendships. So mm -hmm. it's all, it's all due to them. Not exactly. to take the spotlight for one second, but um, on the same vein as that, John Kassir famous voice of daddy crypt keeper told Thon at like a convention that if we got a big enough following he might stop by um, oh fuck but my 20 followers aren't really helping me out so get on that instagram <laughs> logan i know i need to get better i need to up my instagram game Put take lessons from hydroberg because he's I'm really good at thing. it mm -hmm. i want to i try to repost your stuff as much as i can but you're not putting up a, like 
frequent episodes as much. So, hey, I'll yeah, just that's... making my own like I'll take <laughs> images from from the episode and I'll just put it up with your your link from Spotify or whatever. Like, I just like give me give me the give me the give me the login. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I got you covered. All right, guys. Well, it's about time for us to go. Yes, uh, you want to find us out here. Sorry, I was just going to say for week? us here at a cut above. We will be continuing our Women in Horror Month this month of February. Next week, we'll be discussing American Mary, John's yes. pick, which I'm Ooh. so excited about. We will be having another <laughs> special guest. Should we announce who it is or should we leave it as a surprise? Yes, announce it. All right. It's the return of our fourth member, Nicole. Nicole! Yeah! <laughs> um, I know that she's going to be looking forward to the talking about this movie. She loves um, the Saska twins, as do I. Um, she really loves this movie, as do I. It's been a minute since I've seen it. John, this is your pick for next week, so I'm thrilled. This is a callback to our May episode, too, because that's where we mentioned it originally. Mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah, so we'll be talking about American Mary next week, um, which, John, you have it here on the spreadsheet that it's available on Shutter. Is that right? Uh, it's still on Shutter. Um, yes, and on Tubi, whatever you, one you want to watch. Oh, it is on okay. Shutter. Okay, cool. Cool, I heard cool, Tubi. cool. So easy to find, um, easy to obtain, free of charge. So we'll be back here next week talking about Mar- American Mary. In the meantime, if you'd like to email us, you can shoot us an email at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can catch us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. And we need some more friends. So like us on Facebook <laughs> at cut above colon horror review and those five star ratings on uh, five star review ratings on uh, itunes and spotify keep them coming and wherever you listen to your podcast thank you we're so lonely we need more friends more friends (laughs) come be our friend (laughs) all right lady gents it was a pleasure logan thanks for being my my galentine sorry um hope you guys have a good v-day tomorrow and i'll see y'all next week (laughs) keep it creepy (laughs) 